welcome to Soundtrack, the rock and roll alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. I'm joined by my co-host. Michael Livingston. How are you all doing? I'm doing well. <laughs> and I always say something unexpected and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> he said something. <laughs> all the time it was just, how are you doing? Yep. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And then we're joined by our podcast editor and regular guest on the show. Uh, Brent Gunn. Hello. Yep. Hello. So um, today, um, well, I don't know. Michael, let's do it. Let's do our uh, usual announcements. Oh yeah. So first of all, we have a Twitter in case everyone keeps forgetting. I forget too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I posted some, uh, or I, I can't. I made some tweets without telling you. Um, oh, I didn't see it. Shit. But it, it was just it. like I commented on the new Sabado track and okay. stuff. I, I said think, I liked I think it, I and that was about it. That. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I, I did refrain from tweeting the new Bad Religion song on it. Because you can. Well, I, it wasn't very good, so I'm not going to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: the first, the first song they announced um, when they Chaos from Within is mm-hmm. a great song. The one they just released is called "Do the Paranoid Style." <laughs> it's better than the kids are all right, but yeah. uh, it's 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 not. I, I have my concerns. At, l- at least you're not a stan. You know what I mean? Why I just like everything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, for bad. I mean, I like their fucking synth prog album. I'm yeah. close to it with them, but at least you can but, admit that you like, admit there's some flaws. Yes. Yeah, like not the a lot kids of, are all right. Yeah, not a lot of people can do that. <laughs> but no. Uh, but anyways, um, the Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, um, soundcheck official at s check official. Mm-hmm. No spaces. We got a couple more episodes till the semester's over. Yeah. What, a lot of, what do you think we we have planned so far? Just to get I know, no, we want to do the. I, think, I think plan next is the um, good emo? emo. Yeah, emo. Good we'll emo. We'll talk about that, after which will be interesting for me. I, I, I wanted to propose an episode about helmet. Ooh. Oh, too late. <laughs> I, I mean, like, like for next season, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. I, I, do they have enough to talk about though? Because they have like four albums. Well, I mean, they, Two they of them came are back. <laughs> no, I mean, all all four of the first albums are great. Did you know Ty Trujillo, the bass, or sorry, uh, the actual guy, Trujillo, the uh, bassist for Metallica, his son, Ty, has a band called Helmet as well. I did not know <laughs> that. He looks exactly and plays exactly like his dad. That's silly. <laughs> That's Fair silly. Enough. But yeah, that would be I, fun. I would, I would, I, I love Helmet, so I'd be interested in doing si- that. Simulacra right mm-hmm. there. You have good email. I know, I know we have a, um... You have a guest for that. Yep. I have a guy for who work, also works at CM Life. Or we want to do a garage rock and psychedelic rock episode from like the sixties because I right. love, love, love that stuff. And I think he's he's really into it too. He knows more than I do, so that should be interesting. Yeah, there you go. And then I don't know what our finale is going to be. I know I, I kind of like. You mentioned an episode where we like should like listen to our least favorite band to comment on that. Right. <laughs> I was thinking right. about doing that and for try it. to find it like one good thing about it. You know why? Uh, just I don't know. It would it, it would I'm, uh, I'm it would increase our yeah. humility. It would increase our um, listening or uh, it'll just abilities. Either way. Yeah. 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 And if it's not, it'll fun. make it'll be entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, what's I'm Let's assuming yours would be Journey. Hmm? Yours would be Journey. I would have to listen to Journey. Yep. I'd have to listen to ACDC. I'd what? have to listen to. Shut up, Michael. <laughs> you know this. You know I don't I like f- ACDC. How are they one of your? Well, I, I was thinking. I thought it was the least favorite. Like just the oh, the least favorite. Well, these are just like bands. I, I'm not. I'm impartial. ACDC to. being on there, man. I don't know if I have like a most hated band. Like, yeah. like Imagine Dragons right now is like horrible. Sure, yeah. So like well, listening to them would be oh, like the Chainsmokers. That's my least favorite group of all time. I would have to listen to that. Okay. Yeah, well, I'd sure. have to listen to Fallen Reverse. So I they're 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 pretty 
bad. Oh, that's yeah. gonna be oh, God. I feel like I could get through that a little easier because I mm. with a little new mm. that's like in there. It's oh, they're, they're, what, they're, what, they're, what, I like, heard this new song they did. It is straight up like bad new metal, like bad oh, Hollywood. Wait, wait, falling in reverse. Yeah, yeah. I, I I choose to ignore it. Yeah, please <laughs> do. Yeah, yeah, but no, like Pierce the Veil, falling in reverse. Those kinds of band are essentially the 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 mid two thousands. Like hot topic emo bands right, on steroids. Right. Okay. Even when I went through my hot topic phase, I had my limit at like pierce the veil <laughs> and shit like that. I was like, that is too stupid for me. Yeah. Even yeah. during that bad phase. I think. I, oh god, I'm not going to say it, but <laughs> no. Uh, but I, I don't know. The problem is though, that's like during finals, so we really need extra stress. Oh god, you're right. <laughs> during that time, <laughs> that might know. be a good. That might be a good starting episode next. I can't we'll, we'll be studying with thunder going right, on in the background. Right. I can't do that. We'll, we'll have to think that through, but. Yeah. Today, today's episode, yeah, uh, we were kind of scrambling for an idea, and Andrew's just like, think of something and tell me by this day. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I came up with a few ideas, that one we just mentioned being one of them, but um, I thought it would be fun, because we always talk about on this episode, we always throw favorites everywhere, and we always throw like, oh, this person is great at what they do. Mm-hmm. So I thought today would be a good idea to establish our favorite performers in the rock an alternative whatever genre, uh, and just the basic components of a rock band. So you got guitar, bass, drums, vocal, slash frontman. Um, and we'll just uh, kind of talk about our favorites, uh, why we like them, our favorite stuff that they've done, um, and, you know, throw some runner-ups in. If we have some time, we'll get into some debate. It'll be it'll be a hot, it'll be a hot one. Uh, but... Andrew's kind of out of it today, so he won't be his emotional self. So I got to <laughs> carry him. Maybe I'm just too tired from Weezer, even though it was two weeks ago. <laughs> that was t- yeah, that was two weeks <laughs> oh, ago. God, you I don't have so many reservations about that. We- I oh, wish yeah. I could you have been a Can, can, can we take get, like get five some, minutes? Give okay. some hot takes about this Weezer that God, Brent wasn't able to join. I'm so mad that you you guys did not listen. All right. I'm not going to shame you guys. I'm not going to get mad, but this is this is what you guys missed. What Rivers... And company, specifically Matt Sharp too. Shouts mm-hmm. out to Matt Sharp, who you guys failed to mention the entire episode. The bassist <laughs> and falsetto performer of Weezer, who made the band essentially in that in that era. Uh, what they accomplish on Blue and on Blue and Pinkerton, I think Rivers he he did Blue. Then he had all this extra material spilled over, and it was just this breath of fresh air and rock music. And what he could have done following it up, he could have done that explosively weird space opera rock thing mm-hmm. sounds of the black hole he had some reservations because he you know had some depression and everything and he had so much material for pinkerton he could have done a double album's worth and i almost wish he had of right i think that the reason why pinkerton didn't work is because it was ahead of its time i don't think that it was a callback to grunge necessarily and i don't think that it was like like too too like depressing necessarily because like what was blowing up at that time was really depressing rock music. It was like new metal, corn, mm-hmm. like in '96, corn and stuff like that was blowing up, really angsty stuff like that. I feel like what Weezer did with that like self vulnerable front man that wasn't very like stereotypically attractive, almost like metrosexual in a way, mm-hmm. predated what came later in rock music with bands like The Strokes, where it was like you were expected to be vulnerable and you were expected to be like this like new version of, of, of like what a man was supposed to be. In my opinion, like Rivers was like just at that time from like 93 to 90, 
honestly, like 93 to 2002, I'd say. Yeah. He was one of the best songwriters in rock music, period. Mm. And I, I think, like, he'll always have that legacy with him. And Pinkerton, Pet Sounds of Emo. I'll stand by it forever. <laughs> Any thoughts, Andrew? I don't know. I don't disagree with you on all that. Just what I gathered about Pinkerton from watching him, I think you mentioned it on uh, Larry King is what I got it from. Like, I think all that Pinkerton was was, like, um, him putting himself all on that record. Like, yeah. no motions getting a whole held back or anything like that. And that, that's what and I then, loved about it. Right, and that's what people love about it now, but... Uh, just when it was released, it got horrible critical reception, which I think paved the way for the, the literally the rest of Weezer's career. But then, but then, then look look at what happened years later. Like uh, eight years later, you have bands like My Chemical Romance, right? Who were who they broke into the mainstream with a song like "I'm Not Okay," which mm. is a song just about being like mm. so like emotionally unhinged yeah. and like well, broadcasting it to the world. It failed for Weezer because people put them in that box, that geeky, right. you know, squeaky clean box okay. originally. And then when they said, well, we have more to offer, maybe, you know, they, even with the space opera, I feel like that would have been a safer direction to go in. Wow. But since they went in such that, you know, different direction, you know, so quickly, I just feel like it was ahead of its time. And I feel like if Pink, if Pinkerton had gotten that great reception their whole career would have been different. Yeah, that's, whole uh, that's career. what I think you know, we I, talked I, about. And I, I White Album, so. I, I, I'd say White Album, I'd put as four, because I was I was shocked by you guys disliking I, White Brandon, so much. I, th I, thought my, I thought I was going to debate Michael a little bit more on that one. You liked White more than I did. Maybe. I I re-listened I, I re to White for the episode, and I came away from it. Like, when it came out, I was pretty indifferent to it, but when I re-listened to it, I was like, this is amazing. This is great. This is a really good album. It's not that terrible. The, the one thing I will say about the, because I know you had mentioned it, because that was one of my big points about Pinkerton. I love how we're, I love how even if the episode's not about Weezer, we just get to why you discussion about Well, I may, I may mention them later in a context. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, but no, I, when I, when I, I think my big point about Pinkerton was, it was kind of, I think, I think the big reason why it wasn't critically well received at the time is, you know, it was because it was that emotion, the, the depressive emotions that you got from on that album. You kind of, I, I don't think it's because people kind of put them in the box of being geeky. I mean, maybe that kind of played a part into it. But I think because people were already kind of sick and tired of the, the depressiveness of the grunge scene, the grunge sound. And while I know you said, well, there was other ones, I, I wouldn't really compare like the angstiness of new metal to have the like, same exact emotions as, you know, the grunge. The grunge scene was like almost pure depression and you know you you there was a little bit more to to that in new metal there was there was a bit of anger teen anger i should say um but there was a lot of depression too in there, there, metal, there was too but not corn. i wouldn't say to the same degree yeah. and you know just and just every, everyone just kind of i think it was a combination of yeah people had the idea of like okay this is a nice this is a cool dorky geeky band that i can have fun to and forget about that you know kirk Cobain just you know, killed himself, you know, that obviously same year that Blue was released, but and obviously later on you get this, it's like, wow, this is ridiculous. I, I kind of want to be happier. Yeah, so, and yeah. also, and kind of going off of that, you know, having that, those really depressing lyrics and that like vulnerability paired with power pop mm -hmm. is like kind of strange in like to be introduced to yeah. like if you're like yeah, kind of new to it. And I just want to say one more thing. 
Uh, P- P- Pinkerton, it's like it's cool to hate it now. Like they, 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 yes, is it? yes. I thought yes. it's cool to like it. No, no. There is a resurgence of people hating this and saying that it's like this horrible sexist record and it's this horrible. Blo- All right, look. This this is what cracks me up because the same people that say that love blue. Blue has got no one else on it, which is well, one of the most sexist Weezer songs. I ever. think no, I think no one and, else is tongue in cheek though. Uh, right, that, that that that's my point. Yeah. The point is is that I he's shown how insecure he is in relationships. Right. I literally want a girl who only gives me attention. He's like, oh, like yeah. pairing that in like a like a power pop song, it's like this really weird amalgamation, and he did that in Pinkerton, but for some reason on Pinkerton, people have, like, more of a problem I, with I, it. I, 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 I didn't find Pinkerton to be sexist. I, I don't know if that's... Or, 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 it or, or like, creepy. Creepy, creepy. Yeah, people, people make it creepier than I feel like it... I mean, the only one that was like really, be. really weird to me was Over the Seas, which I, I, Across I, the Sea. Across the Sea, I sorry. love that song. It, you know what music I love it, too? It's just lyrically, just, it, it got... It was it that was kind of was too uncomfortable for me, but whatever. For sure. But can I say this though? Yeah. Um, there, there's a, something else an idea I wanted to bring to you for an episode. Oh yeah, let's hear it. Just just where we just list off our musical hot takes, our most controversial musical opinions. Yeah, we talked about that. I, I think, although I feel well, like we've given it. ours like half of ours already on <laughs> air. Maybe it, it it was definitely on there with guilty pleasures. Uh, Some of it, yeah. yeah, at least a good chunk of it, but. I don't know, man. If you want, also, if you want an update on that meme I sent uh, Rivers on Instagram, never posted it. So mm-hmm. I, I, sad days. <laughs> I didn't even. <laughs> I forgot that was even a thing. <laughs> you you want to know what the meme was? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you want to know, Brent? Yeah, sure. <laughs> it was just a picture, like a style. It was just like a photo that I really badly photoshopped. It was like. Pornhub? Nah, I'd rather go on <laughs> Rivers Instagram. <laughs> To get my fill or something like that, it was fun. You're, you're, you're the reason why we have the black album. Yeah, yeah <laughs> people like you, probably people like you. And but the teal how, album dude, too. Yep. How much cred would we get if we got a uh, Rivers to actually post something we made though? So I don't know. I made you should, you should, should, based on what you showed me on Slash's Instagram, you should have stood up for him. Oh God, you, you know, you know what you should use always the Twitter for. Are you guys familiar with that Finn McKenty guy? No. That mm-hmm. punk rock MBS. Or Whatever, yeah. Maybe, He's this no. YouTuber who makes these. Andrew, you would probably love them, and I don't mean this in any offense. <laughs> is, is is it that guy who says why '90s skate punk died? Yes, that guy. I think yeah, kind of. I'm familiar. Have you ever watched his videos? Yeah, a couple. I, I think I think I watched that video. What, what, can I ask what you thought of him? I, I can't remember. It was it was a bit ago, but I thought it was okay. You know, it was like okay. I mean, you get some of it wrong. Hey, you mentioned bad religion. You're cool with me, but <laughs> okay, for sure. Um, <laughs> Just if, if you're going to give anyone a hard time on uh, social media, you you give the melon one, yeah. but also give Finn McKenzie one, please, okay. because he's he's very irritating. Thanks. I will, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to find him. Are you ready to get into the meat of this episode? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a weird tangent. Um, what do we want to start with? I don't know. You, drums. You, drums. Drums. We're going to start off yeah. with the... The, the backing, the guy usually in the background, no one notices. Except Andrew, the host start. Oh, yeah, you had an interesting one. Yeah, it was a bit of an outside choice for this one. It's probably the most unique choice I have, like, out of all the categories. Most of mine are, like, really, really, like, basic ones. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I chose Bill Stevenson from The Descendants. <laughs>
Um, and who's also in Black Flag for uh, My War and uh, Slip It In, most notably. I'm, I think a couple after, but those those were like the ones he was most known for. He, he's done quite a few punk projects, but the the, the 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 position he's most known for is being the long time. I think I think the only drummer of the Descendants. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. Yeah. But you know, as far as punk drummers go, he he's certainly he's he's got he's got this rude way of keeping everything very energetic, but also very tight. Um, and I really did love the rhythms he brings. And one, one, one of the videos, actually I just looked, just watched it right before we came in here, that always jumps back to me is um, this video on YouTube you can find. Um, I, think, I think the guy in the, the description said that he um, was trying to make a documentary about the Descendants and all, but he never really had the wherewithal to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. But it was an interview, so it was a really shitty-looking interview with like mm-hmm. Dave Grohl. I think it was back in the nineties. You can just tell by the haircut. Right. But um, you know, he he came in and he. Who, by the way, would also probably be my runner up for this because I love Dave Grohl on drums. Right. But um, what he was talking about. So yeah, the way I learned drums was I didn't really have a teacher. I just play. I just played along with the records I heard. Mm-hmm. And one and you get pillows on his bed, you know, and, and put it around him, and you just you know kind of do his thing on those. Mm-hmm. And one of the records he said that he. That, that helped him learn how to play the drums was Milo Goes to College. And when you when you hear songs in there, like you know, My Age, which has got this crazy, you know, fast drum beat going on, mm-hmm. and that's... I, with, with, with drums, I, li- I like a lot of precision, but I'm also kind of a flash guy, too. Right. I like a bit of flash. You know, I think I think he's definitely got... I think Bill Stevenson's definitely got both. So, okay, when I just hear My Age, it's just so great, because it keeps, keeps the rhythm going, and it keeps it very energetic. Like, I, oh my God, I was, pro- I was probably... I was definitely in the mosque, because I've seen... Descendants twice live. Yeah, yeah. It really made those moments fun. So, um, yeah, that's probably, I, I probably go with Bill Steve. I really couldn't think of a lot except me going for like Neil Peart or Mike Portnoy. I didn't <laughs> right, want to go right. too basic. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'll go with Bill Stevenson. But. It's an interesting pick. I, I never really uh, looked at him that much in terms of the Black Flag stuff, like uh, my Warren slipping in. I always looked at Robo as the main figure yeah. drumming figure of black flag because he has this crazy style that so many people try to imitate but they can't like he does this weird thing yeah. with the hi hat and stuff like that but yeah it's that is an interesting pick for sure i need to listen to the descendants yeah more, just just, just mile goes to college just that's the one yeah. you just, you know, i with. had an argument with friends over the weekend because like I, oh. i've never been that big into the descendants like and we, we always got into this debate where like i always think the melvins is better than the descendants they are Thanks, uh, thanks, thanks no, for supporting me on that. They are. But that's no such question. a weird. It's no such question. a weird comparison. Right? Weird I don't know how though. it started, but we no. just started this argument. I, I, I like the Melvins, <laughs> but you know what, Grant? I, Grant, I haven't given. I'm, I'm kind of the same one with you. I haven't given the Melvins as much of a chance as I have with the Descendants. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I saw them in 2017, and I saw them in 2018, and they're yes. both fantastic uh, live. But, you know, when I, I I don't know. I just feel like the Descendants. No, I can't say that. I mean, you're, you're more of a punk guy. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it, that. too. But, you know, what? I, I can listen to it. Like, you know, it's, I, I, I think the thing is, it, the Melvins at times can become a little too... It's kind of like Lennon, where I, I kind of look at them like you're, you get a little too experimental sometimes, okay. and I, which I appreciate them for trying. I always appreciate <laughs> trying, you know, outside of the box ideas, but sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't always hit. But it, it, but here's the thing: the Melvins have made what like twenty seven studio albums. You're gonna get some fucking misses in there. Yeah, but um, is Milo go to college? Like, is that a, in any way like a concept? 
record. No, it, it was. It's it? literally because it was because you already ruined Zen Arcade for me. Are you? No, Milo <laughs> goes to college is called. It's called that because Milo literally went off to college after. Okay, this day. that's literally the reason why it's called that. Gotcha. I mean, the last quarter of the album is kind of, I guess you can say, as a bit of a narrative because it's all about like a girl and he mm-hmm. like have a crush on. I think he starts dating and then uh, the last song, which is one of those heart. Honestly, Milo could be up there for best funk. If we're talking strictly punk frontman, he mm-hmm. could be up there for me because yeah. he has such a heartbreak. One of those heartbreaking songs you ever hear is "Gina's Dead." It's just mentioned how this girl mm-hmm. suicide and he came to school and he, she didn't hear. But yeah, it's just his one of the best film performances ever. But we're talking about drums, yeah. though. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Stevenson. Bill Stevenson. That's, that's your pick. That's my pick. Um, other other runner-ups would be Mike Port Mike Portnoy from uh, Dream Theater course and uh obviously dave Grohl, uh largely of uh who played most of his drumming was on a uh, nirvana so he's most known for it. but he also played drums on pretty much everything on color in the shape yeah and, and of course the first record and the first record did all this stuff himself. so Brent, would you like to go know. next uh sure so i play drums what uh, you play drums? Yeah, I didn't I know this. Drums. Yeah, I play drums. Shit, uh, that's cool, man. My dad got me a drum set when I was like six because my dad played drums. My dad was in a Christian like metal band, like <laughs> in like the Petra era. <laughs> I can't remember I'm what they sorry, were called. I I've I've listened to uh, a cassette that you showed me before, and they weren't bad. Like mm-hmm. they could play their instruments. They were just corny. But, right. Um, so like, like I, I, was I, it I love, striper I love levels of corny. Yeah, it was. It was kind of oh, like that. It was no. kind of like striper. Um, oh no. But it, it, it was all in good fun. Yeah. Okay. But growing up, you know, when I would go to my dad's house, I'd have a drum set and I had like my drum room and stuff and I'd have headphones and I'd play to music. And like growing up, I played to, you know, Led Zeppelin 4. And then like I'd, I'd do the Blue Album. That was such a fun album to learn how to play drums to. Mm-hmm. And when I got more and more into like punk music and like hardcore metal I could never do crazy blast beats. I was never an insane like death metal drummer, or grindcore drummer. I, could, I was never that talent level. Right. I could do like D beat type stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, that's about like the limit my my talent level got, mm-hmm. and that, like that that that's fine. But uh, one of my favorite bands to play drums to um, turns out to be one of my favorite drummers now, which is Daniel Davison of uh, Norma Jean. drummer for the first Norma Jean, the first three Norma Jean albums. Is this I saw a, Norma Jean. Is this when? This, uh, Bloodfest. When? Uh, last year. Oh, is, wow. There? Is this yeah. an emo he, he, band that, that I'm not aware of? No, is, Norma Jean, were, they're um, still an active metalcore band okay. um, from Georgia. Started in like 97, I believe, under a different name. But um, the reason why I'd say that he's one of my favorite drummers isn't because like I think he's one of the most technically proficient drummers or anything, but... This guy 
the way that he articulates his drum parts, the way that he emphasizes rhythm, the way that he just works drums to be so instrumental to the songs themselves to where like when you hear the song, you can't imagine any other drum part complementing it. Mm -hmm. It's like if the drum part was different, the entire song maybe wouldn't even work. You know what I mean? I mean, he was also a very like technical, like, like, like a very talented drummer. But um, another reason why I'd say that he's like one of my favorites is because people usually say like that first Norma Jean album, Bless the Martyr and Kiss the Child is like super influential in like metalcore and hardcore circles for kind of being like a bridge gap from like the really mosh styled hate breed stuff into the more kind of breakdown centered hardcore and metalcore mm-hmm. stuff that came later. It was like this weird, it was a really cool transition in metallic hardcore that Norma Jean posed and like they were also a much more accessible version of bands like botch and stuff like that. But Daniel's drumming on those first three albums, especially on their third album redeemer, mm-hmm. he could do everything from being just a, 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 a fucking machine metal drummer to being a very, very nuanced, like alternative metal drummer mm-hmm. all seamlessly. And you know, myself as a drummer, he influenced so much of what I did in bands that I played in. Like, I, I played in a metalcore band later on that borrowed a lot from, like, the first two Norma Jean albums. And a lot a lot of the drum parts that I thought sounded good or the ways that I thought that, like, oh, this would make a part sound heavier. This is what a drummer would do to make the sound heavier. I borrowed from him. Right. So um, That's cool. he's, he's definitely, like, one of my favorite drummers of all time. I, I mean, when I saw Norma Jean's, I didn't know the band at all. Uh, and I didn't journey into their discography afterwards or anything like that. But now that you're talking about it, I should, I think I'll go back and listen to it now. Yeah. And, and when I say metalcore, I'm not talking like kill switch and kill switch. Like, yeah. This is, this is yeah, like I, much I more. Assumed, yeah. I assumed. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, metalcore is not a genre I know. So if just, I've heard this band, it's probably because you mentioned it to me, Brent. So yeah. Um, yeah. I honestly, by, by no means like the, no the most obscure pick or anything, but I, I just think he's a, a uh, very underrated drummer in in terms of metal and hardcore. Yeah, my pick's not obscure either, and this one you might have ex- seen coming. It's probably the most unoriginal out of all my picks for the other instruments. But my favorite drummer, it's Ringo Starr, is Ringo Starr. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's Danny Carey from Tool. <laughs> I would have preferred Ringo. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure they are like you wanna, outtake reels. One of my, my runner-ups was like, Meg White. Dude, Meg White <laughs> would have been a better pick. Literally a better drummer. Better drummer. <laughs> more, more character, more personality. Compliments, the mu- compliments musicianship better. She's cuter. I had the biggest crush on Meg White back in the day. I, I, loved, I loved Meg. Oh my. But yeah, no. I love Danny, Danny Carey. His drumming makes Tool. I think Adam Jones's guitar is uh, the weakest complement of that band. As I said many times before, the rhythm section of Tool is the greatest of all time, in my opinion. And that's, that's just not even. And that's swallow, not even me being a fanboy because I don't consider myself a gigantic fanboy. It's just that I know for a fact that Danny Carey is 
fantastic the way like he's up there in terms of style with Neil Peart and just the way that how how much percussive elements he does and yeah. what he can make with different styles of drums. Uh, you know, he uses a gong and all that shit. So it's like <laughs> you have to appreciate him for those levels of experimentation. But also just like I can't imagine Tool with any other drummer and there hasn't been any other drummer sent like since the forming. So really for those reasons, it's up there. But my my other picks are interesting, too. Like I said, Meg White up there just for like for the kind of the same reason. White Stripes wouldn't be like how it is if Meg wasn't. Yeah. Uh, the drummer well, it, it, and that minimalist. No, no offense to her, um, but it is a little easier to stand out as a drummer when there's only two people in the band. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then th- this one you'll get, Brent. Uh, I had Mike Kinsella for drums, not guitar, um, for his work on Captain Jazz rather than his guitar work in American football. Well, he's also the drummer in, uh, oh, what's Joan that? Joan of Arc. There, there, there. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, he is. I forgot about that. From uh, Into It Over It, Mm -hmm. which they're really good, I think. Into It Over It's one of my faves. See, I never got into Into It Over It. My dad got me into it, surprisingly. Yeah, I I guess surprisingly. But, like, that's one of the more underrated Kinsella projects, I think. Yeah, for sure. But, like, uh, I don't know, just that the drumming and, like, the kind of jazz on the cymbal style, like, that went over to Owen and all of his other projects, and, like, it's so recognizable, I can't escape it. Mm-hmm. So those are my runner-ups, but for number one is Danny Carey, so. I did forget to name one of my, because I, I just came up, because when you're talking about, it's not metalcore, but just metal <laughs> in general. I, I forgot one of my, uh, one of my more, like, I think he's a more underappreciated drummer. He's uh, Scott Travis, current drummer for Judas Priest. Uh, Dave will disagree with me on this all day long. Mm-hmm. I don't care. He's pretty, I don't, I don't know if he's one of the more technically proficient drummers, but I mean, my favorite drum track ever is Painkiller by Judas Priest, which is mm-hmm. probably also my favorite metal song too, because it's just had that crazy drum fill, and it's pr- a lot of it is just dr- bashing. It's just, it, but it is there is still definitely a driving steady rhythm to it and mm-hmm. I don't know I really like what he, I really love what he brought to that to that whole album so right. and you know and he's still still fun to hear today so he's been with them so yeah Scott Travis nice so, you yeah. want to just continue on with the rhythm section in that case and just go over to bass go to bass yeah. oh yeah fuck well mine's on original as hell <laughs> well go first then <laughs> All right, I mean... I'd, Mine's I, on original, too, so... Well, yeah, yours kind is of probably original. a little more original than me, though. <laughs> Mine's slightly more original. I, 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 I went with Flea here. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. It, it's, it's like, wow. You know what? I like me some slap bass. Hell yeah. I love me Who some doesn't? slap bass. You know, I love... That's why I love funk rock so much. And you, But, you know, here's the thing. It wasn't, like, pure, like... F- he was never really a pure funk you know, basis, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, first we started off, I, 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 doing research, I didn't know he was in uh, the punk band Fear for like a hot second. I, I do mean like pretty much for like yeah. a, maybe like less than a year, but. Not only that, but he was trained in jazz bass before. Yeah. Did I, did, did, did he do something recently with like a jazz Yeah, artist? I believe so. I couldn't tell you He what also it was grew called. up in a lot of hardcore circles, I believe. Yeah, he grew up so, going, like I have this documentary, American Hardcore, and he's featured in it talking about going to like er, early like yeah, LA, that doesn't like California me. hardcore shows. Yeah, for sure. And. And that's that's kind of where RHCP came out of. And then, you know, he he's also cites Bootsy Collins as one of his um Louis both I think I saw he cites Louis Armstrong and Bootsy Collins as influences. Mm-hmm. So he he comes from a lot of 
he, he, he brings a lot of different styles to his playing. That's what I really like him. And, you know, he's very distinct sound. You can, I love bass for me. Bass is always, I, maybe because I just have shit hearing. I always, sometimes I have trouble hearing bass in a lot of songs. I think it's just mixed poorly. Maybe it's I hard. just have. Oh, wait, aren't you deaf in one ear? Yeah. Yeah, you told me that, yeah. So that's why I said I have shit here. Yeah, that could be, because a lot of the times bass is mixed into a singular channel. Yeah, either it did. Either the, the right or the left earphone, so maybe a lot of the cases the bass goes into your bad ear. That, that is, that is, yeah, it's Beatles. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. fucking hate the stereo mixing the Beatles. It's just horrible. If anyone doesn't know, I'm, I have a birth defect, and I'm deaf, pretty much deaf in my right ear. Yeah, that would explain that's your bad taste in music. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm that's, gonna that's, leave. that's sick. <laughs> yeah. Sick. That's in, fuck mm-hmm. you. You're making fun of my disability. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> straight up. All right. Stand up for yourself. <laughs> Don't take that shit. I I can't help having a shitty taste of music, Michael. I have a disability. <laughs> he can't handle his Foo Fighters shirt, dude. Hey, he was born the way, with he, it on. This this kid, Michael, this kid, is this. Brent over here doesn't like the Foo Fighters. Oh, you've told me. And uh, I'll the, save my spray. They're, they're, for they're, you. they're a hip band. They're a hip band. You know, no, you know how we What's wrong with that? My, my, I, I didn't, I didn't say there's, there's anything wrong with that. But anyone lying to themselves, saying that, oh yeah, here, here's a good album by the Foo Fighters. That's wasting a lot. light. The first album, minus the first album. The, the first album, Color in the Shape. First All album's pretty fantastic good. Fantastic record. Everything else is just hits. Sorry, go ahead. So, Sonic Highways was not good. It was for me. It was okay, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but anyways. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> flea. 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 Yes. Why you like Flea? Uh, again, he, he just brings a lot of different styles to it, especially even on when, when he started to mellow out more, mm-hmm. like on like blood, blood Sugar Sex Magic and onwards. Like he right. listened to stuff like Funky Monks and uh, and, all, and all around the world. I, I get, I just, I mean, in Warped, I would not Warped, uh, was it Shall It Be That Game off of One Hot Minute, which is a fantastic record, Fight Me. Yeah. Um, just, I, I think he's just definitely got a lot of character to him and, you know, both stage presence and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and as well as, you know, in his playing. So I, I guess I really, really like him. If you knew that, I didn't. I didn't know that. He's a beekeeper. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna make like a joke, like a nope, note joke. That is it. <laughs> that nope, is it. <laughs> nope, you, you just praise his bees. But no, I love Flea as a bassist too, I, and that that contrasts perfectly with my pick. And we'll get to Brent's in a second because I once saw a video comparing Flea with my favorite bass of all time, Mr. Les Claypool.
I knew you were like, that was the most obvious choice for me. Good and pick. It, Good pick. I mean, yeah, and the, I remember watching that video, and I remember the video favoring Flea um, in terms of, like, audio quality of the, because it was just concert recordings, right? Mm-hmm. So it favored Flea in terms of, like, audio quality and everything like that. But still, in the comments, everyone, less Claypool's better, less Claypool's better. Like, and it's it's not even fair to compare them, though, because... Flea is kind of, he's good at being a bassist in the sense that he can really tune into the songs in a subtle way and create a perfect foundation for the rest of the song to be built upon yeah. it. Les Claypool is just virtuosic in the way that he plays bass and the way that he yeah. approaches it. Well, well I, I mean, I, still... I argue that Flea is very technically proficient as a bassist. Yeah, and, and I still think he adds stuff to the music. He, he's not, I don't think he just, I don't think it's fair to say he kind of blends in with uh, it. Yeah, especially like like Under the Bridge and stuff like that. He's really mm. complimentary on some yeah. of those songs. But right. but I, I don't want to take away, granted, I, I know, I really only, I'm only familiar with some of Primus' work, so I can't go too far into your pick. But right. I, what I will say about, I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to take away that he's certainly a very, as you said, virtuosic um no basis and i really i what i'm always fascinated by because bass is probably often the most overlooked like instrument of these like core four and i love it when you know bass players kind of the brain the free reins to make the music they want to that's what's different about primus is the bass is the lead instrument yeah it's it's like when newstead jason newstead had his solo like album what's that called it's just newstead okay i gotta look that up it's what Nothing. <laughs> you just, you Did you know my dad went to uh, high school with Newstead? Oh, you, he's your dad from Battle Creek? Uh, he went to school in Niles. Okay. And that's where my dad okay. went to school, yeah. Interesting. But yeah, anyway, I, I just love Primus as a band, uh, how, they, how they put the bass as the lead instrument. And not only that, but he can sing at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Well, there's a lot of singing bass players. You got yeah. Lemme Killmeister. Sure. Paul McCartney. Huh? Paul McCartney. Sure. Yes. But what I think is a very underrated, as much as I hate Paul McCartney and I wish he was gone. <gasps> what? Uh, Jesus Christ. I hate Paul McCartney. <laughs> He's worst Beatle. A- well, uh, not, all right, not worst Beatle, but my one of my least fa- lesser favorites. Like He's my least favorite Beatle as, as well, but at the same what? time, it's like. He's wrong with you, people. But he, but he, he is a great bass player. You know what? F- you know what? He's number two for me. I'm sorry. If we're talking about be- some you know making what? some of the Fuck best. Fuck it. He's four. Fuck it. I'm being honest. He's four. Because yeah, he. Come he, on, I'm Michael. I'm he, writes, he wrote some of the worst Beatles songs, hands down. Ugh, and he wrote duds on like their best albums, like. Like on uh, Sgt. Pepper, when I'm 64. Okay, that Total one. That was, that was a John record for sure, Sgt. Pepper. And there's a reason why it's yeah. regarded as their best. So, yeah, but, Well, no, here's the thing. If you're going to talk about writing guy. some of the best pop music ever. Let I It mean, Be is really good, too. It, huh? Let It Be is really good, too. I love Let It Be. Let It Be is great. Mm-hmm. It used to be my favorite Beatles album. A lot of Paul on there, too, though. I know, and I now, that's what sucks. I like some of Paul's songwriting. I just hate him. Yeah. Here's the thing. But he's, I like if you're talking about singing some of the best pop music ever, it's... Mm-hmm. it's Paul McCartney. I, that, sure. I put him up I'll there. That and you know, I, I, sorry, I like the wings. I like some of his solo stuff. By the 80s, even, I'm... Even some experimental solo stuff. Like, Ram is a classic album. Yeah. Love and you Ram. know what? No, I, I, there was a couple stuff on his last record that sounded good. And the one before it, New. I, did you did you listen to New? Hey, you know what I gotta tell you? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
about that that new record. It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, there's Damn. a couple gems in there. But did, did you listen to new though? Ah, uh, no. But didn't he have like Beyonce on that record no. or something? No, that was the single he did. He probably with has Bono on there. Uh, or no, it was yeah, just a single that he had with like Kanye and Beyonce. Okay, that was oh yeah, a that, that, that's actually new, not a bad song. New was um, no, you knew, new was a really good album actually. He, hmm. he did like he he, he and what I really appreciate about Paul that he still tries new things. Anyways, I'm sorry. We'll we'll, we'll get into this the other day into another time. <laughs> well, how did we get from Les Claypool to, to Paul? We <laughs> were talking about bass players right. sing. Sorry. <laughs> okay. There you go. I'll finish my thought though, just just by I want to mention my runner-ups too because I also had uh, Mike Dirt in there, mm-hmm. Green Day. Uh, he, dude, yeah, he is. You know what? He is the essence oh, of Green boy. Day. There would not you know be what? Green Day without Mike fucking Dirt. Who, who's the drummer for Green Day? Uh, Trey Cool. You know what? Fuck it. I, add him to my drummer list. <laughs> Fuck it. Boy. Rhythm section to Green Day is pretty. It's really good. It's solid. It's great. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> fuck you. But you every, every yeah, can, can great, I, great rhythm dude, section. But come on, the bass work on that, like yeah, yeah, for sure, it's fantastic. I mean, n- I mean every track on Dookie has a fantastic uh, yes, bass. Work. I mean, he's look, phoning no, it in look, nowadays. No one loved Dookie more than me back in the day. I fucking <laughs> loved Dookie <laughs> and Insomniac. I had to throw Dookie. I, I told you this story, remember? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this story. Okay. I had to throw away Dookie. Because my parents thought that the lyrics in Fuck Off and Die incited terrorism. <laughs> and I had Jesus to throw Christ. it in the trash. God damn. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't cry, but... I, you oh. should have, though. Because Dookie's a <laughs> Thanks for telling me I should have. But, <laughs> 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 but, yeah, what a, what, what a should have. But no. And then I also have... Um, I don't know if you know this one very well, either of you. Do, you. do either of you know the band Death From Above? In America, um, myth from above 1970. I've heard really the name a dozen not, times, but it's not, not that that's not so. my world. Yeah. It, it, they're, they're kind of the pioneer band of the overdriven bass with drum, and that's it. Um, and Jesse F. Keeler is a fantastic. Yeah, I forgot to get my runner ups too. Um, they inspired Royal Blood and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to I was, I was say Royal Blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't he play like the thing the guy does, like, I don't know what his name is, but he plays the bass guitar just like a guitar. That's what he does, right? Yeah, it's it's just like Lemmy. I mean, I guess you could say Lemmy pioneered that whole yeah. overdriven bass being like the, almost a rhythm guitar. Yeah. Um, but in this, like, there's he incorporates a lot of like yeah. lead work and stuff. It's I mean, interesting. I mean, I mean we got to mention Lou. We got to mention Lou. <laughs> well, Lou Barlow. Sure. I mean, I, I just gave. Uh, who else did I have? Who else did I have my list? Um, I mean, I'm not a huge Rancid fan, but, but no. But here's the thing about Rancid, though. Like, they, no matter what, even on like some of the, you know, when they're at their worst, and trust me, they have some low points. <laughs> like the last record, Matt Freeman. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Phenomenal bass player. He I mean he he is like a bass shredder. Like he he has the he's the epitome of like bass shredding. Bass, just read those really aggressive bass. He was in Operation Ivy before he joined Rancid. Nice. Oh, and, nice. Um, any. Probably my favorite record from Hanson is their first album, which is a weird pick because I don't know how much people talk about it anymore, which is unfortunate because the song Detroit, fight to me, geez, that bass line is fantastic. Mm. And if we're going to stick with uh, bass playing here, the one that I had the really outside choice I really wanted to go with here was uh, Joe Principe. Joe Princip? <laughs> bassist from, most known for bassist from Rise Against. Yeah. We have a band I'm not too familiar with. I'd I'm not pick too him. big on Rise Against if I'm, I'm I feel like I'd really like him if I gave him more. 
listens, but I'm picking him for his work because he was in a punk band in the 90s called 88 Fingers Louie, who I will argue, tooth and nail, is the most underrated punk band of all time. Shit. I fucking love 88 Fingers Louie. And my favorite bass line ever, and I think you'd really appreciate this song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's called 100 Proof. It's off of their uh, album, Back, to, uh, Back on the Street. And um, it's uh, that bass line. It's amazing. It's so prominent in the mix, too. There's a bass solo. It's not a guitar solo. There's a bass solo, and I fucking love it. And um, seriously, I love it. And uh, the band broke up for a while. Mm-hmm. My understanding was because the lead singer was kind of an abusive asshole to the rest of the members <laughs> from based and you can based on the song 100 proof you can probably guess why mm-hmm. but um yeah anyways those would be my runner-ups all right let's give brent his time to shine all right so runner runners up i guess i gotta mention people like peter hook from new order um because that's a really good segue into my main pick because my main pick is uh eric judy of modest mouse Really need to, I really need to get more into Ron Strauss. I've heard so much. I've well, heard so many good things. Like, like, all right. Well, here, here's the thing, Andrew. Like, if you're gonna get into Modest Mouse, the first song you're gonna find is "Float On" or "Dashboard." Yeah, I know that you know? one, of course. But I, I, I'm just imploring you. The Modest Mouse that came before that album sounds radically different from. Yeah, from I know. It's stuff. supposed to be a lot more depressed, like really more depressive kind it's of. Emo. Well, I mean, it's sense. it's emo, but it's also like I, I, I've heard I heard people refer to it as like farm emo and stuff like that because like it, it is very rustic it is very country influenced it is very um country is just farm emo dude yeah yeah like that what? that meme i saw applied I'm to it i'm gonna be really confused for this emo episode <laughs> I feel like. and they they also had a lot of like post-hardcore influence yeah. some kind of scramsy influence well, I've heard, i think this is something that i really enjoy so but um the reason why i say eric judy is because um, I got into Modest Mouse, you know, through Dashboard on, like, the VH1 Top 20 countdown mm-hmm. back in the day. And I was like, this band sounds weird. I'll go listen to it. And I ended up buying that album, Dug. which was which was We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. That was 2007. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I immediately wanted to hear, like, what they originally sounded like. Because I knew they had albums, like, in the back. I Googled it and everything. So I bought This Is a Long Drive for Someone with Nothing to Think About. That's and, the first uh, one? Yep, that's their first album. Okay. Um, 1996, and that album like changed changed like the the game for me musically, hmm. like from what how I thought about how bands should sound and how mixes should sound and how songs should be composed changed after I heard that album because it's really free form, it's all over the place. But Eric Judy's bass playing, I mean, it opens the album. It opens with you know that dun 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 it opens with drama mm. mean you know that mm. that classic bass line his bass playing is like so melodic and he's playing often so high on the neck and just like noodling in the bass he's not playing like yeah, these like yeah. lower tones or anything 
while Isaac Brock, the guitar, you know, he's doing like his thing and creating all these unique textures. He is such a unique guitar player in his own right, Mm -hmm. who completely makes that Mm -hmm. band sound, you know, very similar to bands like uh, uh, Built to Spill, but totally having their own unique Mm -hmm. sound within that framework. Um, Eric Judy could have just been like a kind of Lou Barlow type and in like, like yeah, bass, bassy power the, chords the, and the, stuff the like dino that. Record, mm-hmm. On the Dino episode, but the similar there. instead he does these, these total like, like arpeggios within the key and uh, his, his bass playing makes that band. It, it, it totally is another layer as, as to like why they're, they're my, one of my favorite bands. Well, they probably are my favorite band of all time. If I'm being honest, like right. they're the reason why, um, you know, I, I, got into playing bass guitar because, you know, I started playing bass in elementary school, Kesterly, and then I kind of never really, I kind of got into playing it through guitar because I learned that you could do that kind of stuff with the bass. I didn't want to just do, you know, like picking on the low E string forever. Right. He was involved in like the principal years of their formation from like the the beginning until we were dead. And those albums within their own right. Is there any uh, side work or any other bands he's been Yeah, he has other things, but I haven't dug into him enough to, like, really, like, have a fleshed-out opinion, so I don't want to speak with authority. Mm -hmm. So, but his bass playing is just phenomenal. Um, I I would really recommend, you know, the albums. uh, This is a long drive. Lonesome Crowded West. Just, I imagine, the first four. Well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, you could also go into, like, the EPs, like, The Fruit That Ate Itself, Baron Von Bullshit Rides Again. Um, I like that. Uh, That's uh, a great uh, title. Uh, <laughs> uh, Interstate 8. And, you know, Modest Mouser is one of my favorite bands, and it's, like, uh, you know, I, I got into, like, folk music. I got into stuff like Owen. I got into stuff like Red House Painters. Then I got into stuff like, you know, Mark Kozilek's songwriting and Sun Kill Moon. Sun Kill Moon is still one of my favorite bands ever right now. And all of that has to do with Modest Mouse being instrumental in in my musical taste. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't. For you, I'm surprised you didn't uh, put Anthony Fantano as one of your favorite bass players. <laughs> oh, fuck you! I yeah. hate I hate Fantano, dude. You know, I, I've been watching him since 2011, and I think I disagree with him more and more as the years gone Same by. Here, but he, you know, his his Billie Eilish review is bullshit. Oh fuck that! It is thing, straight dude. up bullshit, and it's not bullshit because he can't have an opinion. It's bullshit because I feel like that entire review was just invented. Because he wanted to like get this social capital out of like 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 negating the whole like like feeding into the whole industry plant meme right. surrounding Billy. If that meme didn't surround Billy, he would have hated that album or just been totally indifferent right. to it because it sucks. Yeah. It's horrible. One more thing, and if you want, you can cut the Fantano bullshit. No, 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 no I'm keeping all tangent. this. But um, also on the most recent um, kind of segment that he does, where he's like changing my opinions on albums, like yeah. times my opinion change. Oh, damn. And, and he made it worse. It's like Dude, you're really just trying to stoke the flames. I fucking aren't you? love Dam. I do not understand the hate for Dam. I do not get it. Love <laughs> is an amazing song. Dam is probably my second favorite Kendrick album. I'm, I, yeah, for I'm me, not, I got, I got I'm not, Good Kid. Well, <laughs> I have nothing. Ma- good okay, Kid, okay. Mad City's my favorite, and that's literally as far as I go. I haven't even listened to Dam all the way you know through. What? I just hated that he stoked the flames even more. I, so. I, I think I'm gonna say I go to Pimp a Butterfly. And good kid tied for first, and then I put damn right under that. Then section eighty. Uh, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it for Cause, me. Because to me, those, those are two classics with, that like I can't yeah. really put above the other. Yeah, yeah. With me, it's it's Good Kid at number one, just because that's the one I've had most exposure to. We gotta keep on track. I'm sorry, Andrew. You I, didn't understand any of that. I know. I'm well, sorry, uh, I'm we, we, we'd have favorite rapper a segment. Zach Taylor Roach. I don't know any other. Taylor I don't know any other. You know, no. I will. I will say I do have an appreciation for for a lot of the the, the oldies. I, I do have an appreciation, right. more, more or less, not for. Oh, you're an old rap. head for sure. Yeah. You like Biggie. Uh, no, I was going to pop my iced tea. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing, works. though. No, not, not really for his, you know, rap stuff, because I, I, it's not something I listen to. But I really appreciated him as, like, a musical figure and, you know, a guy who's, A, willing to go out and make a fucking metal band, because... Mm-hmm. And actually, yeah, when they first started, they were not great musicians in that sense. Listen to, like, the... the you go back and listen to the last album. It's actually... they've Wow, well, they've actually got to become, like, a really good band. I, I, but I do, I, I always, because he was one of those guys that was really fighting against the PMRC. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. done work with Jello before. Nice. Um, so, and he's a guy who really under res, respects other genres too. And, you know, I think he's a, a, kind of a political figure. Now, I know he's not really one, but like, I, for, for, you know, that kind of stuff is what I mm-hmm. respect him for. But sure. yeah, it's not really my genre. I've tried, but it's all good enough. Um, some, on, some other honorable mentions um, Raymond's Eric's left hand. I believe someone's else has the keyboards from the doors. Oh, are we talking about keyboards now? Well, I mean, that, 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 no, no, no. I'm just saying that that's the joke because they didn't have a bass player and right. the bassist was him ah, playing ah, yeah. you know, so very low keyboard. on the keyboard. But he, but what was amazing about him is that he would do the bass parts with one yeah. hand and do organ parts with right, another hand. Right. So he'd uh, be up. If we're talking about keyboards, he's like up there. Um, and uh, Fieldy from Corn. Oh, got to throw him in there. Got to give him an honorable mention because. He he fucking had that <laughs> that that is slapping <laughs> nasty sound, which Les Claypool yeah also borrowed in, sure. also partook in. So, God damn, I, I, I love Andrew's face. I you know I I can't remember the last time I listened to Corn. I just love I, I love. The, I listened to Corn yesterday, dude. Get on my fucking level. Life is PG is such. It's a classic. If we do this, if we do this new metal, episode, why can't we do a new metal episode? Well, because because you didn't grow up with it. We'll get uh, we'll get Hunter back on. Yeah. Did he did he grow up listening to new metal? Yeah, he's a big uh, new metal guy. I know yeah. you had him on for grunge. Well, you can do the same thing. I mean, hell, if that means I get to listen to Disturbed in a perfect circle, mm. I'll be fine. That is not new metal. That is not shit. Well, then who who is new metal? Corn, Slipknot, Corn, Slipknot, Cold Chamber, Kitty, Marilyn Manson, somewhat. Yeah, throw Rob Zombie, Limp Bizkit, Rob Zombie, kind of. Well, but I've heard. Life system, I assume. System kind of. System kind of transcends like they, they, it. What about yeah, Perfect Circle better than New Metal? I'll, See, I'll be with Perfect you. Circle, that's like the post-grunge thing. That That's like the, the dad rock stuff. We'll figure I, it out. There's, so there is no better. consensus of what New Metal is. <laughs> Just like no, there's there no consensus on what New Metal is. There's no consensus on what anything is. Life Man. is a concept. Whoa. We, we are breaking fucking dimensions here on this know. Lightning podcast. brain, space brain meme, yeah. <laughs> All right. Guitarist? Yeah, yeah, let's go guitar, and then we'll end off on vocals. Okay. okay. Um, who wants to go first? Who has the most interesting pick? I think I may have some interesting... I have interesting runner-ups, but my not. main pick is not a surprise at all. Well, for for guitarists, well, well, yours is still yours is still more. In, it's not a surprise. Yours is still more interesting than mine. I guess. Okay. Go well, first, for, for for guitarists, I'll, I'll um, I'll say Steve Albini.
Steve oh. Albini because yeah. he is Songs super influential um, in my taste. I'm anyone that knows me, yeah. and I'm not gonna go deep in anything. Knows that I like noisy stuff. Yeah. Knows that I like noisy music. Knows that I like just noise. Trust me, I know. <laughs> and as much as it is a meme within people in like underground circles to talk about Steve Albini and say that he's really influential. Steve Albini is super influential to me. Um, sure. A lot of his ethics, a lot of his ethos, while a lot of it I don't agree with, some of it I do think is kind of like old man-ish. A lot of it I do appreciate his logic. A lot of it I do appreciate his recording philosophy. I appreciate a lot of his... Talk about his guitar technicality as a, yeah, as and, 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 main and, and, point. Well, like that, that's kind of like what I'm getting back to okay. because a lot of it he kind of incorporates his ethos into his guitar playing too because... What he did in bands like Big Black and Rape Man is he used the guitar and he didn't even play the guitar and like strap it upon himself in like a, a typical way. He would strap the guitar and he'd have like the guitar strap wrapped around his waist mm. and then he would have the guitar you know, like is like positioned at his waist, like at his belt, you know, and it wouldn't be wrapped around him and, and right. he could like move more freely and everything. And then what he's doing with the guitar is he's abandoning melody because he kind of came out of that whole like no wave scene with like, you know, Swans mm -hmm. and Lydia Lunch and stuff like that. And, you know, Ardo Lindsay, which is a runner up for me, the, the guitar player for DNA and just an amazing free um, improvisation guitarist in his own right, who's mm -hmm. super influential in noise rock circles. So Steve Albini abandoning melody and totally wanting the guitar to be a textural instrument, which... That is just so, that's been so influential to me throughout my life because I listen to music more kind of texturally and I like music that focuses more on texture than, hey, was that catchy? Hey, was I like, I love catchy music. I love power pop. I'd love to be in a power pop band if I could. Like right. that, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. But I also love just nasty, harsh noise. You know, I love, I, like I, I, I love both of those camps and Steve Albini using the guitar in that way Seeing that as a young kid and getting in a big black, I was it just exposed me to a wealth of things that I'm into now. Mm -hmm. And his influence can be heard heard in like post rock, um, post hardcore. I mean, like some of the sound textures that he was doing with Rape Man and, and those two big black albums, you hear on Fugazi, you hear in bands like Praise mm -hmm. nowadays, you mm -hmm. hear on bands like Drive Like Jehu, you you hear that influence everywhere in more melodic tangents or in way more noisy tangents. And it all came from, you know, a very particular region and a very particular like set of artists that all just had this amazing influence in like that no wave and noise rock circle in the late 70s and very early 80s. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Steve Albini and Steve Albini also produced in utero. He did. indeed. Yeah, you're right. So That's just, just a very too. wide, wide, wide ranging, influential Producer and, and artist. Sounds. He, he definitely has a good mind for music. Um, and when, when you, when you, it's you kind of so look like young Steve Albini. Kind of. A little bit. I, I could see that. I don't know what he looks like, so I can't argue with <laughs> I'll it. show you afterwards, but you kind of do, yeah. So, a little, little Nardwar meets Steve Albini. <laughs> I love that. I saw that episode. I love that episode where, where he's wearing the Raiders, the Raiders shirt, oh, yeah. Steve. Oh, we're talking about Steve Albini on Nardwar? Yeah. I'm saying he's a mixture of those two together. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, a little bit maybe, but more, more Steve than Nard. Yeah, for yeah, sure, for sure. Steve, Steve was a fox back well, in the my, day. Steve my, cool. my contact picture for Andrew in my phone <laughs> is Nardwar. Is young Nardwar? <laughs> young Nardwar, I could totally see. Look at oh, that. I know you can. It's small, but yeah, I can see it for yeah. sure. The, hu the human serviette. <laughs> yeah. You're, I'm saying you're a very good interviewer. 
I'm not. I'm saying <laughs> he's not that good either. I know. I, I did. I did watch the uh, the snail mail interview. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I did not like. Wait, what's her name? Uh, Lindsay Jordan. Yeah, I don't know. She kind of annoyed me. Yeah, yeah I really love her music, but she herself kind of annoyed me. Because she's the guitar player in Sonic Youth. Uh, Thurston Moore or yeah. Lee Ronaldo. Yeah, Thurston Moore is who I was thinking of. Yeah, he's and an like, asshole. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Th- Thurston Moore, you know, people like that were totally borrowing from the whole Steve Albini yeah. camp too. As I just like mm-hmm. talk oh, yeah. about Nirvana, talk about grunge, all that stuff. Also, can't go wrong with an album that's called Songs About Fucking. Classic. That. that is a classic it's album. So good. Oh, yeah. It's really good. And and uh, Atomizer. It's really good too. Yeah. How about you? You next? Yeah, my mind's. No is way. your originals? Is your pick pretty? Out there are pretty no, staple. it's all my runner ups are probably pretty like, like, yeah, of course, you're gonna say that. My my favorite, you know, per, they're not, they might be my top 30 favorite bands ever. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, everyone, um, if anyone remembers here, the our guest on the hair metal episode, uh, director of human, of human, of <laughs> director human. of student publications, yeah. he's director of all human publications, <laughs> <laughs> director of student publications here, Dave Clark. His favorite band is Van Halen. Right. One thing I will definitely share with him that he's, Eddie Van Halen is probably my personal favorite guitarist. I'm yikes. sorry. All right, yikes. You know what? I'm sorry. I like a good shredder. And mm-hmm. you know what? When the first time I heard Eruption, I, I was genuinely blown away. Granted, I don't play guitar. I tried for a little bit and I failed. But <laughs> but no, I heard this. Wow, that was it changed me up my idea of what in, that instrumentals can be cool. And which I know it's a minute or a half. It's not that long, but still, you 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 know you get my point there. Right. It's like that was blistering. It was aggressive. He's Eddie Van Halen. Like you know, a lot of credit for making what makes the first incarnation of Van Halen so fun would go to. Yeah, probably David Lee Roth because he is probably the most charismatic frontman ever. Not going to say vocalist because he was never that good of a vocalist. You can mm-hmm. definitely hear that nowadays. It's kind of like an Aussie situation. Right. But charisma, he was, for my money, unmatched. And But I think a lot of it also has to go to Eddie Van Halen because he really, he's way played with you know, the solos, the riffs he'd bring, and just the amount of energy. And it, just on that punch as well, just made that band really fun to, to listen to and I really really enjoy going back and listening to all that stuff um, and if you've ever heard and it's also one of the most underrated solos for me ever comes from uh, from the second Van Halen album where he it's there's this, there's this track in there called Spanish Fly mm-hmm. it's pretty much eruption on an acoustic Spanish guitar it's really cool sounding I really like it so yeah. for me I, that, that's that's kind of when everyone mentions your favorite guitarist that's usually who I go for um, I, I just I've always just kind of have a soft spot for him some of my other runner ups would be um, 
Steve Ray Vaughan, who's my dad's favorite guitarist. That's certainly one I've kind of grabbed from him. My I, dad loves him too. I, 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 I love Stevie. Um, yeah. he's, he, when you ever just watching the live footage of him is great because he's just he flows so well oh, between the notes. You ever seen that awesome video where of he when plays? he breaks the string or something like that? No. And, he, and I was I was thinking of the one where he plays the guitar behind his back. Have you ever oh, seen that? Yeah, I've there's seen that before. But about. there's also there's also a video of him breaking a string and then he continues to play the song. Just doing the chords differently, so and good. then he seamlessly like uh, his guitar tech comes and switches the guitar just so seamlessly, and he yeah. goes and plays the song. Like, like, like so he recomposed where the notes would be on another right. string right. Right. He, in real time. Of, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like cool. that, that's one like yeah to know your instrument. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, uh, that's just the one guy I can think of where it's like God, I just just kills me. I'll never be able to see him live because yeah. that would be a great concert. Yeah. Like that's that's a guy I can sit and watch and just play, mm-hmm. and. Um, if we're on the subject of blues guitarists, um, BB King also goes up there. One of my really, f- I didn't know you were a BB King guy. I love BB King. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think when <laughs> around he died, when one of one of my uh, interview that I saw it was really cool. It's explaining how he played his guitar, and it's really cool. It's like you know, I, I create feeling. He was talking about like he wasn't. This sounds like super like up and milk itself, but. It's just the way I'm saying it. It's so like I, I play to create feelings. I don't get like a lot of the kids, you know, gone there and just go, they'll bash bash the guitar. He's kind right. of being an old man in that sense. But it's <laughs> like when I play, I, I want want the notes to kind of represent how I feel. I could be butchering what he said, but mm-hmm. he said something to that effect. I thought that was really cool. Um, oh yeah, dude, BB King is amazing. And then, I, I'll always have memories at my dad's house. He he always listened to BB King and he would play guitar to Thrill Is Gone and stuff like that. He'd yeah. always like improvise so over great. it. I inherited a lot of BB King records from my grandfather, Lucky. and I listened. To it. I listened. <laughs> I'm to only it. starting now to even tolerate blues. When I was growing up, I hated it always, and now is like the I only time it. in my life I, love, I can tolerate I love, it. I love, I, love, I love electric blues. It's just I, I'm a sucker for that stuff, especially okay. long form. That doesn't. That's another one. It, it, that's another kind of. And it's something about the blues. I, I don't like meandering kind of solo or like performances, but mm-hmm. that one, I blue, electric long form electric blues like Steve Ray Vaughan does. Like a lot, when BB King did, I really like that right. because again, it was just I, a lot of those emotions they come out, and it's just it's all kind of you know almost, not necessarily freeform, but somewhat close to it, where you kind of had that yeah. style. I really enjoy it. It's always fascinating. You ever pick up two. that? Maybe uh, like jazz. Maybe you'd like some jazz. You know, I've maybe maybe guitar jazz. I don't know. I, I can't. Yeah. I've I've tried listening to the old or sturdy stuff. It's entertaining, but it's not something right. I. Go I got two things I'll give you this summer. Because did you ever pick up that uh, the Electric Mud uh, album, Muddy Waters, kind of revitalized in an electric? No, sense. I, I do have Third a Man did it. Muddy Waters live album. That's okay. something I have. I'll let you borrow that one and my West Montgomery album. It's just there a compilation. Go. Both great, great segue into guitar jazz but, and another great electric blues record. And then you know what? Fuck it, I'll say it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm a punk guy, so if we're gonna talk punk. I mean, obviously Greg Ginn would be up there. Oh, dude, punk. yeah. Oh yeah, I, I was gonna have him in my honorable mentions and then, too. But then also, I'm gonna say it. Greg Heston and Brett Gruitz of well, Greg Heston was uh, first of Circle Jerks, then Bad Religion. Then right. Brett Gruitz is. Uh, guitarist of bad religion so i'll mention them just because i mean they're kind of a soft spot there's there's some great solos in their discography but they're not mm-hmm. that's a straight up personal one i could never argue with them for even even from punk probably maybe greg has no greg has and i could but well greg, greg is underrated in my opinion because he he really moved beyond like the limitations of the genre he was in yeah oh for sure it's especially especially again. again oh okay oh All i right. thought you were talking about no, Greg. Too, Greg, too many. Greg too many Greg's oh, yeah, going sorry. on here. Sorry. Yeah. Greg, but Greg I will Gen say this though. Flag. I will say this though. It's funny if we're talking about Greg Heston. Um, there's an interview I saw. In, um, 
uh, Jay, ba- the Bad Religion's bassist, Jay Bentley, you know, he was talking about, like, yeah, the one of the, re- the way Greg Heston originally joined the band, you know, because he was part of the Circle Jerks then. And th- on the first album, they had a song called Part Three. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had kind of idea, you know, you know the song Dueling Banjos and everything? No, I've never yep. heard that. You, you've heard it. You just don't know what it's called. Okay. But, you've heard it. <laughs> but, heard but, it. but anyway, so he he he, he invited Greg and because he he had an idea of doing like it's like it's like part three is like an anti-war song, but there's a lot of like solo breaks in there, and he had the idea of bringing <coughs> Brett, you know Greg in and have Brett Brett Gruitz and Greg Heston doing a like a dueling banjo style song. It's like when they did that, it's like wow, they fucking nailed that. I think he's part of the band now. Just for just one of the cool stories. So again, that's my soft spot. But go ahead. Can I can, can I say something about Greg Ginn? Yeah, that's go okay. For it. Go ahead. Some Greg like Ginn w- one thing that I always thought was so cool about Greg Ginn is like when you put Black Flag and like what his what he was doing with the guitar in like the the context of hardcore at that mm-hmm. time. It's like you have Youth of Today with Break Down the Walls come up in like '86, yeah. and then you have Slip It In. Hell yeah. yeah. And, 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 uh, no, 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 not slip it in, but you have slip it in and in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you have these two just polar opposites, both in like the sphere of hardcore. Yeah. And the, the idea that Greg came from that whole pool that influenced this wave of bands like, you know, Youth of Today's and stuff yeah. like that. Youth of Today was probably way more influenced by Minor Threat than Black Flag, granted. But the, the, the fact that, you know, he came from the, the nervous breakdown thing to write these things like the process of weeding out. Yeah. I mean, he, he is such a, uh, a, a, a talented mu- mu- musician and such an uh, interesting figure. Uh, I remember hearing he never stopped. But a grade A douchebag. Grade oh. A douchebag. Yeah, oh, who yeah. does not did, pay. Did, didn't, he, like, didn't he get like arrested a few years ago for like. I don't know. But he, he doesn't pay. And like doing drugs in front Whoa, of them. What? Yeah. I've already heard. About that. Maybe. But as far as I've heard from Henry and people like that, he doesn't really pay artist royalties very well. And he yeah. kind of ran SST like shit. Like that's why um, yeah. Dinosaur left, I believe, because they thought he had a stoner mentality. That's yeah. what I read. Well, let me that explains why he was smoking crack or something in front of his kids right. or something. Uh, I don't, I don't, that, don't you, call you, me on that. You just I don't have, know. Hey, can't, can't, can't knock the hustle, man. <laughs> <laughs> can't knock it. Jeez. Leave a five-star review. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right. Do you like to go? Do you like to go, Michael? Sure. My picks aren't all that interesting because number one is obviously Jay Maskus, but I. But that's a unique pick, though. I, I don't Can, know. Not for me, but in, well, in like a in sense. general, it's not general. Jimmy Page I don't something. look a lot of people would say Jay. I like him for the same reason you like BB King. He's able. He's able to talk through his instrument. saying where Jay Maskus plays guitar like most people talk and he talks like most people play guitar. 
you know. He, he he's just he, able to do, in his you, solos. He's able to convey so much. You know emotion. when it's a J solo, like, yeah. like a lot, lot of times when I'm listening to a J solo song, it's like okay, this kind of like this sounds like a dinosaur junior track, but mm-hmm. like but maybe but sometimes it doesn't. But then mm-hmm. when the guitar comes in, it's like oh well, no, well you never know it's J. Yeah, but I I also have to um, go on a tangent, and this will be a perfect opportunity for me to talk about his solo stuff on the acoustic guitar. That stuff to me is an amazing example of his guitar work as well, how he's able to play just really fresh open chords, but also he he puts distortion on an acoustic guitar and somehow makes it sound good. Like he fuzzes out an acoustic Sounds, and it makes well, it sound what cool. Song is this? I love that sound. Um, you can yeah, you can listen to it all over his first two solo records. Okay, I'm gonna have to listen to that. Sounds um, fucking cool. Tied to a star and uh uh several several shades of why. Um Listen to the track "Can I." That's fucking amazing. There's this, just like really like you, you ever listen to like uh, the first Neutral Milk Hotel album. Yeah, it's sort of like that, but it's also like um, when you listen to um, "How to Disappear Completely" by Radiohead on the song, how it has those synths that are kind of like really sad sounding on the song "Can I" off of um, "Tied to a Star." It has that same thing, but with this electrifying like acoustic buzzing sound hmm. it's so cool uh so yeah i mean it's obvious jay mask is up there but my my runner-ups kevin shields from my oh, bloody valentine for sure. very good pick fuck i mean just just for being such a <clears throat> nuanced figure in terms of like shoegaze and you know just distorting mm-hmm. the shit out of his pedal. you just called it shoegaze that's what it is, it is. called shoegaze oh, wait, no call sorry shoegaze. i call it shoegaze you're right never mind shoegaze fuck. is the right terminology sorry Andrew. fuck <laughs> I get confused. It's okay. super influential, though, especially nowadays, because it's yeah. like that super washed out approach to guitar. Like yeah. you hear that all well, the time when, in indie music now. When I when I showed you "Pace to Bury Strangers," you said, "Oh yeah, that sounds exactly like My Bloody Valentine." Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And they they were like a '90s shoegaze band mm-hmm. from from what you showed me because I looked them up later. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of something else. Might maybe be, I'm confused. I don't know. What, what I what I fail to see in a lot of like modern shoegaze is the emphasis on the uh, on the whammy. Kevin sure. Shields used that whammy so well where he bended it out of tune and, like, it was just there. Well, he also had it, that, that, that reverse reverb, too. Right, and then it, it sounded just in tune enough to be melodically pleasing, mm-hmm. but also noisy enough to be kind of nuanced and crazy and different. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people nowadays, they've, they've taken that bend approach... And they've really cleaned it up. Like bands like Title Fight fucking ruined it. <laughs> yeah. Because they take those bands and it's just like, and it's just like, all right, I get it. You're going like a, a half step above in the key. <laughs> right, right. Cool, man. But like, I want to hear, yeah. I want to hear that, man. I want to yeah. hear that. Fucking, I mean, Loveless, like that's, that's the album of my life, dude. I love that. Oh, wait, so they, they have this really, um, uh, you made me realize. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good EP too. But um, and then I also have Clapton in there. We we talked but, about it. But actually, I forgot. I just also one of my runner-ups. Mm-hmm. I I do love me some Clapton. We're both uh, we're both some pretty big Clapton boys. I again, I will argue to the nail that Derek and the 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 only well, the only Derek and the Domino's album right. is the best blues rock album ever made. And I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but Layla, the song Layla, 
is your favorite favorite song, song of, of all time, time. Mm-hmm. which I know the punk guy. That's a weird one to choose, but I, I get one, one of my. I mean, I love the piano part, but this I love. I love how was it like right before he goes into that? There's like I guess I don't know if you call it the bridge, but there's a part where he's got the blaring guitars going in the background. Mm-hmm. It's shrieking and it sounds. It's just like that's uh, that's talking through your instrument right yeah. there with that and it's just all that emotion coming out and then like just the subtle like the subtle guitar parts go behind the piano. Mm-hmm. Just my I love watching videos of people breaking down the guitar of Layla, um, like the how it's layered and produced oh and everything like God, that. Yes. There's tons of videos on YouTube that exist doing that, yeah. and they're all over Instagram and everything. It's it's really fun to watch. But anyway, should we move into our final? Oh, one, uh, one more honorable mention. I I, yeah, I, I would mention is Steve Drozd or Drozd from Flaming Lips, oh, the, the, dude, the guitarist and multi, yeah. multi instrumentalist of that band. Mm-hmm. I mean. Because after they lost one of their guitarists after Cloud's Taste Metallic, mm-hmm. 95, um, then they started doing, like, Zurika and stuff like that, right. which was, like, that, that's when, like, I fell in love with, like, that. that's when, like, like that kind of material, that sound, because the first Fl- Flaming Lips album I heard was Yoshimi. And so I was, like, plugged into, like, their Neo-Soul to kind of, like, not Neo-Soul, but, like, Neo, uh, Neo-Disco type stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And then going back and hearing Zarika right after Cloud's Taste Metallic, I'm like, holy shit. And it's because Steve took that responsibility in the band because they lost guitarist. Right. And he's like, well, I'll learn how to play keyboards and play guitar and learn how to, like, create these these songs without the guitar while still, like, having to rely on it as, as a crutch if I need to. So mm-hmm. he's, like, I, I, I would have him be an honorable mention for sure. Absolutely, dude. I've been getting in the Flaming Lips uh, a lot recently. I just listened to... Uh, uh, Pink Robots all the way through for the first time a few months ago, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I'm definitely going into it when I have more time. I, I'd really recommend. Uh, um, you would you would really like Clouds Taste Metallic, and uh, uh, you you would like their early work, right? When right. they're like a really fuzzed out rock band, mm-hmm. but Soft Bolden's like fucking amazing, and yeah. At Worth with with the Mystics, that's an amazing album. Can I ask you this though? Didn't they do a record with Miley Cyrus of all people a few years ago? What was? Th- I've heard it was actually not that terrible. Well, actually, it's horrible. And, oh, okay. and, and it is and, pretty. And the bad. thing is, they essentially provided instrumentals, you know, and right. like wh- whatever. I mean, they they also covered Dark Side of the Moon with Henry Rollins, I think. They, yeah, <laughs> they're, I hear about they're, that. They're so they they, they, they they do a lot of stuff. They, they do. They I, played with. Um, you listen to Sparkle Horse at all? I've heard the name. Okay, they played with that dude. They've done. He's done stuff with Julian Casablancas before. The, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty eclectic. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I can't mean, escape the flame. Lips. Yeah, it's they're, in, they're a bunch. So, right. so what's the next category? Lastly, vocals. we got vocals slash frontman. Sweet. Yeah, I'm excited cool. about my pick. Bro, we I think pick. I think we should establish me and Andrew's first pick and the one that's always going to be shared between us. I think, I think, well, I don't know about oh, that. Oh, God. I think I know what it is. What? What? Just say it. Just say it. Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell. What thought you fuckers were going to say Jack White or some dumb oh. shit. <laughs> no. All right, no. good. I, like I hear one more I, word I, I, Jack I like White. his thing. He's, he's got an interesting singing style, but he's not mine. No, no, no. no. Chris Cornell, man. I mean, you can't deny that that dude's crazy. I, I mean, I, sure. I don't think it's my personal favorite, but I really couldn't think of anyone else. Right. But because he, he's definitely, he's in like the top three. I, I love, you know, here's the thing. You want to talk about someone who's like versatile? Like you're talking about like, you know, Pop Claypool's versatile on bass. Mm-hmm. Chris Cornell is so, like, just so versatile with his vocal. 
sing softly. He could soar. He can yell. He can get fucking angry when he wanted to with songs like um, uh, Jesus Christ Pose. And let's let's see the other one. I think it's from that album. No, yo, no. What's what's that one? I don't know, man. I think it's also a a bad motor finger. But God, Songgarden is one of my favorite bands ever. And it is almost... I love the other guys in the band. They're all great musicians, but it's almost mm. solely due to Chris because he's so. What's the What's the drummer of Soundgarden and Pearl Jam? Because he does both. Uh, I can't imagine how fucking filthy rich that dude is. <laughs> Whoever, whatever his yeah, name is. There you go. But no, I, I I love I love Chris so much. He he's got he's he just made that band what it was, mm. and he just. There's just nothing undeniable about that yep. voice. Did I tell you guys the story of how I was supposed to see him at Rock on the Range? And uh, he I don't think he died on air. two days before I was supposed to see him. My favorite band. Oh, and that was the peak of my Chris Cornell fandom. I He was my all-time favorite vocalist. Still is, of course, but... At that at that point, I was going to Rock on the Range to see Soundgarden. Like Metall- yeah. Metallica was playing, and I would rather see Soundgarden than Metallica. And it was that peak. <clears throat> and when and when it, my dad sent me that news at like two o'clock in the morning, I could not stop crying. I don't even think I I think I skipped school the next day to be honest. I was so upset. But uh, but yeah, it was a big deal. He's can a I, big deal for me. Can, can I ask you your thoughts on Super Unknown? How do you feel about that album? The album as a whole, yeah. It's, it, Honestly, it's, it's unoriginal, but it's probably my favorite. Yeah, I love I'd it. say it's my favorite. I, I actually prefer Ultra Mega Okay. I, I love that album. Like even, okay. even, <laughs> even if it's newer, I like that one a lot. Um, I... I Really, um, there's just something about the atmosphere on Super Unknown. So great, it's so just like brooding and yeah. But especially with the title track, the title track's like it's high for my number one favorite Soundgarden song. And you know, he did part. Part of it is, I mean, a lot of it is that guitar riff. I I think, I think it is. I mean, here's the thing: Jesus Christ pose is like those are like my two favorite. The Mm -hmm. the title Super Unknown and Jesus Christ pose. I think Jesus Christ pose. The the main thing that really made that song was his was his. Was his vocal performance? His vocal performance on Super Unknown was great too. But if we're talking about just focusing on his vocals, it's hard to tell because the riff on Super Unknown made it really good and had that atmosphere. And mm-hmm. I think it gave definitely gave that away. But did he write the lyrics to that song? Too? I'm not totally for sure, but I think I think he did. And I, the lyrics really just combined with this performance. It just gave it that really brooding, just like you know, you don't you don't know what the fuck's going on kind of atmosphere. Yeah, I, another good song is Fourth of July that does that. Yeah. That's one, that's probably oh, one of my favorite fuck. Soundgarden songs. And, and honestly, even Black Hole song. Well, yeah, of course, yeah, that song's great. Mm-hmm. And you can argue there's some duds in Soundgarden's career. Like um, a lot of people don't like King Animal. I think it's great, but a lot of people don't like that one. But I think Soundgarden is an amazing band, and Chris Cornell is the. There's never gonna be. I mean. Well, no one sings like you anymore, right? That's the lyric. And then no one's ever going to sing like Chris. So. No. But that, that was my number one. But I also have runner-ups being Iggy um, as a front man. Hell yeah. I was, that was going to be a runner-up for me too. Just it, for, for, for a front man, yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. We yeah. talked about vo- people can't sing, but you can have a stage presence like no other in Iggy's name. Even then, like, he, he has a voice though. Like listen to um one, one of my favorite. One, I have my favorite vocal perform. Like if time fa- vocal performance or delivery, um, would be break into your heart off of his previous solo solo album. Mm-hmm. I just he sounded, he sounded old. 
that's what he did. And I don't mean I don't mean that as a knock. I'm like it he used that to his advantage. He, mm. he was shaky kind of, but he had this just really weird kind of like he was singing on a very lower register. Right. And it just it did sound like and this was around and this was like the same year Bowie um passed away. Right. right. So it was just like that was almost like what the fuck? Dude, oh no, we're gonna have to do someone else here. Cause he just he just get that that's the presence he gave off with his this performance. So I lo- I would argue that he he can never shriek and yell, but he can deliver a, a good vocal performance mm-hmm. when he wants to. I think that would be uh, that probably, he might be up there for me too. Especially for talking I just, about I just love how that dude is so old he still takes his shirt off for every yeah. performance. He's still pretty good in decent shape for a seventy year old. His body's just so and so influential to the world of punk. <laughs> Oh, what yeah. his body's influential? Yeah, to yeah. his body. His yeah. body is so influential to the world. Yeah, of punk. dude. I love so many, that leather couch skin. So ma- yeah, mean, there are so many punks who just probably stared at his bleeding chest, chest. <laughs> and were like, "Man, I want to look just like that guy. I want to have a chest just like that." Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Rollins is probably the closest they ever really got to that. Right, the to uh, his stage presence. Rollins could be <coughs> up yeah, there for a too, for a, yeah. a front man. Well, but Rollins not as is a definitely really close for me. For, yeah, yeah. First front man. I don't know if he's in my personal favorites. Um, I don't know. I think well, let, is this more me, vocalist in thought, terms of like being a great singer or just yeah, being a great I mean, front that, man? That's the difference. Like, uh, when I think of vocalist, I saw. When I think of a vocalist, I, I think of yeah, the, the terms of being a singer. That's mm-hmm. different from being a front man, which is kind of a stage presence, vocal delivery, like how, how you how you shape your voice too. Right. So that's kind of like what I based mine on. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. My my enjoyment. So, but but the, let me give my, let me give my one last honorable mention because I want to give a quick shout out to Andrew for introducing to me to Nick Drake. Oh, love. Oh, yeah. Okay. There love, we go. Love that dude. You vocals. know what? It's. You know what? Honestly, that's a that's a weird that's a weird one for me. I know his voice is just so it's soothing. It's and and I can't I can't. Mm, I, I don't know if I call it soothing. I've it's soothing listen. but eerie at the same time. It's 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 it's, it's you know no actually you know I'd give that to um moving moving panoramas. Sure, um, that that's the one who I would give that moniker to. Yeah, he 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 was definitely in a bad place, but like at least by Pink Moon, who's definitely in a bad place. To point mm-hmm. where I can't think of it's comforting. It's it's well not. God, it's not comforting super. when you think of his story, but when you just listen to the music, yeah, it's very it's very soothing. I, I can see that. But yeah. you know, I, I almost like his playing more than his singing. Yeah. I love them both, but like I think I prefer, especially on that record. Like listen to things behind the sun. There's some. It yeah. was it's fairly complicated for what oh it is. for sure. And he just he he just had a way of complementing both those things together. And he did a the thing, and I we will need to do a Nick Drake episode one one day. And the thing I the thing I always say about him, and he does so much with so little. He didn't need to raise his voice that much mm-hmm. to really make it powerful. It's funny how you say your least favorite track on Pink Moon is the title track because of the piano. It yeah. takes away from what the, well, the it's, rest it's, of the it's album Well, it's not even is. I don't like it. It's, it's in the context of the album. Right. Why? why? Because I, I, thi- I think we won't get into that conversation, mm-hmm. but my point on that is sometimes consistency makes makes it better. And I think think that if that album definitely had a um, definitely has like a running like sonically a running thing going with it, and I think just having that took it away from me. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, you boys, Tom Waits fans. You know, what? I I've tried. I listen to much of it. Jack, yeah, on the same boat. From I've heard, he's definitely he def. If I am going to be into Tom Waits, he's definitely going to be an acquired taste. Because is 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 his voice too much? Yeah, I, mean, I that might be part of it. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. But, but um, I don't know. For my my personal my runner ups, that's really tough because I don't. I mean, I you know if we're gonna t- talk go back to grunge, I love Lane Staley. 
I love yeah, yeah. his delivery. I love this. He, he, you know, the yeah kind of vocals. Mm-hmm. He, he, he did that the best by by even better than better. Yes, better than better. I mean, granted, his was a little different to it, but like he had so much emotion and despair and kind of that eeriness in there, especially when you know what he like listening to Wood now. The song Wood is heartbreaking, knowing how his life ended. Yeah. So, and I think part of it is just kind of that vocals. You know, you can definitely when you when you hear him that shaking. It's just like wow, that's just really powerful to me. Um, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jello. I, that's more of a frontman thing, although he's a decent range, mm-hmm. even as a vocalist. But God, I love, I love him so, I love him so, so much. It's just oh, yeah. the, he does all these weird, crazy faces and things. It's his presence next to none. I love him. Good showman, D- definitely. And yeah. um, God, just, you know what? I'll, I'll say. You know what? I was thinking about this last night, and I'm just gonna say. It. I'm gonna say Brody Dale from uh, the Distillers. She. Mm. She, I fucking I lo- she's yeah we haven't said any women yeah, yeah what the fuck yeah and well I mean Meg, sexist Meg, Meg. pigs yeah, we're cool. I'm the other one who's bringing the woman here but no she has <laughs> one the of the champion. most powerful voices in punk rock he like listen to like like I really don't want I know they're making a new I think they're play, I know they're making a comeback they just got back together they're touring I think a new album's being planned they already had released some new singles and I don't Ooh. really want it because as much as I loved her recent stuff like. Having under that Distiller's name, I know it's not going to live up to the, to mm. their first two albums because those, Jesus, like you, I, I thought her like her, I thought it was like it's at some points it's almost getting to the point where it's like Lou Barlow on the song Don't levels of <laughs> Jesus, you're gonna blow your vocal cords out. It's so good, and then I'm just this is the person again. I'm gonna say it, my boy Greg Graffin of Fat Religion. No, near. I, t- I I told you like he doesn't have a vocal no, range. No, but he's the very, way he layers his voice in the studio is very unique. Yeah, he definitely has. It's it's he's definitely got a very clean register as far as punk goes. Definitely not like tech technically you know sound when it comes to his vocal performance. I just love how it, the point is. Yeah, he definitely has unique ways. He's still powerful while still being very accessible. As a singing voice. Can I ask you this? I th- is the reason you like him because it's easy to sing along to? Yes. Anyone's vocal range yeah. can Yeah, I think he, it's, it's, very, it's very well performed, but it's also, again, easy for anyone to come on. It's kind of like the, the Ramones motif where I love... I think I've heard a lot of musicians, you know, saying why they like the Ramones so much. Oh, it sounds like something I can actually play. Right. And it's kind of the same for Greg Raffin, except, you know, there's clearly a lot more... You know, the Ramones, you know, were very apathetic with their performance. Greg, I can tell with Greg Graffin, there's still a lot of care to his vocal performance. There's still a lot of emotion, especially where it needs to be. Knows how to shape a melody, a vocal melody like no one else. Like, I will stand by the Bad Religions to catch his band of punk rock. Probably one of of the best hooks ever written for, for my money. And I think he's definitely a large part of that. And I can somewhat realistically sing along. I have a terrible singing voice, but... I don't know. I like Unless to think when it I comes to Johnny Cash. You no. do a I got to hear. I got to hear. You have to. You will one day. One I don't want to do it Cash on air. Not on air. Fantastic. In, in private. In private. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I promise that you built it up, and I try to do it. I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> this is what I do. But no. But no. I like to think I can sing along when I'm singing along to some bad religion. So he holds a special place in my heart. You know, perfect transition. I feel like I can do a really good Bob Dylan impression when I'm alone because yeah, I love Bob Dylan, nice. who's a runner-up for me for one really? of my favorite okay. frontmen. I mean, I prefer Dylan. I, but I, when I do it in front of people, I can never do it. Right. Yeah. Well, who's but, your real pick? Um. Well, oh, is is this my? Are yeah. We, are Go we ahead. Me? Your turn. You're Sorry. ending on Brent. Well, I guess honorable mentions. 
Uh, I'll start with people like Henry Rollins and uh, Ian McKay, of course. Yes. I mean, watching people like Ian on stage screaming their lungs out, their lungs out, and there's teenagers jumping all over place around them on a mm, stage that great. could be the floor. Seeing that as a 12 year old on YouTube and stuff, and, and that 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 changed everything for me. It's a weird thing with Ian though, because while Henry Rollins looks intimidating, especially when he was getting like not jacked, but you know as jacked as he ever looked right like Ian, like especially like Ian never really looked like that like intimidating yet he has one of the most like mm-hmm. jaw-dropping screams mm-hmm. in punk rock it's great. yeah and like seeing that and then going to hardcore shows when i was a kid and seeing that culture you know because like but before i heard minor threat and stuff i really only listened to like the Beatles and the classic rock that my dad gave me and like Weezer. This is, this is off track, Brent. And I think I've asked you this before, but where'd you grow up? Adrian. Adrian. Is that like kind it's, of a It's suburb-y? a small town. Okay. So where, where did you see some hardcore shows? Well, there would be some hardcore shows in Tecumseh, which is a neighboring town and churches mm-hmm. and stuff. There would be like local hardcore bands like, oh man, Stateside was one. Yeah. As Angels Mourn, they were more like metalcore and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was mostly bad metalcore that, that you would see. <laughs> you would see really great metalcore too, and then you'd see really great hardcore too. Yeah. But when I really started going to like really good hardcore shows, that was when I uh, would go to Toledo and Detroit. You know, For there sure. were periods of time For where sure. I was going to shows in Detroit like every day, nice. like every, every night and nice. seeing, you know, True Love, Freedom, um, there were just tons of Detroit bands, but cool. Yeah. But um, so yeah, Ian, and then Henry, of course, and um, but Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan was like the one of the first musicians I even ever got onto, and I still love Bob Dylan to this day. Mm-hmm. The way that you guys said that, like, uh, voices soothe you. Yeah, people laugh, but like Bob Dylan's voice, maybe not like mm-hmm. seventy five on. Yeah, but like pre seventy six for sure. His voice is, I won't say beautiful. But it has just this rustic quality to yeah. it that, like, all right, I've I've been re-listening to a lot of Dylan lately. It's like listening to your grandpa sing to you. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that because that's exactly what I was going to say because really? I lost my grandpa recently. And I was re-listening to a lot of Dylan songs lately. And I re-listened to another side of Bob Dylan, his 60, that's 64. Mm-hmm. That's the album that came right after The Times They Are Changing. It was his first... Yeah. album that was a bit less like socially conscious and was more just like abstract and dream and yeah. kind of surreal and on that album there's songs like ballad in plain d and hearing him sing and he derives the melody from like this like irish or celtic folk tune or something mm-hmm. but hearing him sing his voice sounds just so pained and so young mm-hmm. but so like road weary and everything and i just every time i hear his voice i get flashbacks of like my grandpa playing songs like it ain't me babe or saying or playing Johnny cash songs on guitar. Mm-hmm. And it's like his voice. is just like a, like a, a time capsule mm-hmm. into that, that whole realm in like the sixties and seventies. He, he's, you know, it's funny you say that because my, my granddad and one of his favorite, his, no, fucking his favorite artist is Bob Dylan. And, you know, he, he got me, I think of, Last Christmas, no, it was Christmas before he got me uh, Blood on the Tracks. And Great. And um, repressing, obviously. But you know, there's some, I love, dude, there is something different because, you know, I've, a lot of, I know some people really don't like nasal singing, but like yeah. he's the one that definitely, 
got me into that idea. I couldn't well. get it. I that never can, got into like Tom Petty style nasal oh, I singing. Hate Tom Petty. But I, but I, I'm I sorry. Could, I, I love Tom get, Petty. I love his. Yeah. They're, they're very similar. I'm sorry. I like the, the thing with Tom Petty is like anytime I try to listen to Tom Petty, I'm like. I could just listen to Bob Dylan. <laughs> that, now that I can give you. And the band, the band too. Like that, I could just sub that in too. But, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, but again, I, I think, I think the band brought some, I think the music itself brought something a little different. I think Tom Petty doing enough difference, but to but, me, but you know, Tom Petty's a great example. When Mike Patton first joined Faith No More, he brought a really nasal performance on that. I know some people don't like it. I know when Elio and I, in the very first el- episode, we, me and Elio did together, that was kind of the, um, Thing he made fun of me for it, but it's like, you know, I really enjoy that style of singing, and I don't know if I would would without first hearing Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> like his '60s material, flawless. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. the first half of his '70s material, I would argue, also flawless. There's moments in the '80s that are tolerable. Mostly, that's a shadow realm. Yeah. Uh, some of his gospel works great, though. I will say that, but um. I wouldn't even say that he's my favorite, though, because, like, while he's had a huge influence on me, he hasn't as big of an influence on me as a Jamie Stewart of Shoe Shoe, I'd say. going to say he's like Bob Dylan because that's really pretentious but he's like another songwriter that I've kind of gravitated to and a lot of the same reasons for why I gravitated towards Bob Dylan because like they both have such unique approaches to how they sing how they construct songs and just the their imagery and their their aesthetics that they use and they're they're both just such unique artists and I saw Jamie play in 2013 yeah, 2013. Mm-hmm. I saw him play. He opened. Now, he's usually in the band Shoo Shoo. Is this your favorite vocalist, by the way? Yeah, yeah. And it, well, I, I wouldn't, I would say more like front man, okay, performer. Okay. Sorry. Um, and yeah, I, I would say he's definitely my favorite because Shoo Shoo is one of my favorite bands. And uh, I went to go see them. They were opening for Swans, which, you know, I, I love Swans a lot. This and, the, sounds like the most Brent concert ever. Wow, I almost bought uh, the first Swans record yesterday. Filth? Yeah. It's but, it's uh, it's okay. It's not my I favorite. End, by I end any up means. getting too little over it. I mean, come on. I mean that, that's not a bad pick. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad pick. Well, but um, I'll show you the records I got the other day after. But. Oh, nice. But uh, so I, I I was going to go see him with a couple friends, and I was expecting to go see Shoo Shoo like the band, mm-hmm. right? But uh, my friend let me know on like social media is like, oh, Jamie's posting out the show. He's going to do a Death Drone set, and I'm like. Fuck yes, because <laughs> I was into noise, and I was Hell just yeah. like, okay. And then I show up, and Jamie Stewart lays down a fucking forty-five minute ear-piercing noise set, which I don't see a lot of great noise shows live. I'm going to one in on the 18th. Nice. I don't really see a lot of great noise shows live, mm-hmm. 
that was louder than swans. That was wow. just fucking amazing. And it made up for the fact that I didn't see him like sing songs I love, like, you know, I love the valley and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um what's so funny about that is that when you listen to his actual music, it's so somber. Like it has these moments of like his sing- his vocal approach is so like whimpery and wimpy sounding Mm -hmm. and his his instrumental selections are so weird and obtuse and some of the songs just sound cobbled together and pieced together and they're very like fragmentary and collage like and i i I just love his approach to songwriting he's done everything from just like singer songwriter stuff to noise pop to the death drone stuff right so yeah i i would say jamie stewart michael saw me like freak out yeah yeah hate myself right now because how could I forget to mention one of my favorite vocalists and I was I listened to a song from them on the way here I don't know why this didn't pop up Michael Stipe I'm a huge REM fan one of my favorite bands yeah. of all time just fucking REM right? I, that's, that's why that's why yeah. it came to my head because yeah. you, yeah. you showed me the records and I saw what, what was it oh, what was the record you bought um um, I don't the one the that's kind of like the spacey cover. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. um, I fucking love R.E.M. and I love his voice. Like even listening to the song, that I feel like I feel like everyone makes fun of losing my religion now. And I don't understand why. Because listen to it, it's there's a, a mandolin in it. <laughs> people make fun. I've never heard that. I've never heard. People I don't know. Make people like fun, make fun of the song. That's me in the corner. It's, I think it's kind of a meme in a sense. Oh, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it used as a meme, but I don't know. But I, I would listen to it. It's fucking great. Good it's song. it's a great song. It's yeah. not my favorite album, of course, but I like just, Monster. That's a good album. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he was great. That is a that's a Brent pick right there. What's wrong with that album? <laughs> no, I, I love it too. I'm just saying that's kind of a Brent pick. Obscure. You no, know, no, no, no. Is that, it, that's not. Is that is that it? I thought that no, was more you know, mainstream. Sorry, Monsters would not be the Brent pick. The Brent pick would be um, Venture and Hi-Fi. See, I'm not even familiar with that album. That's the one that came after Monster. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm an enigma. <laughs> the Monster's great because it's got a really cool like because because they they I lo- love our, one of the things I love about REM is how they bring something different. Like um, maybe not the first five albums, but certainly <laughs> starting at like Green and onward, the all records sounded similar but different in some way. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I don't know. I, He's he's got a great range, but his deliveries are always great. Like he can make something sound very happy. He can make some something sound sound a bit bitter. Some something sound really fucking depressing. One of my favorite vocal performances ever comes on my favorite REM track, off of On Mac for the People. Monty got a raw deal. That 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 performance still gives me chills, and I've listened to that song God knows how many times. I absolutely love it. Um, how do I forget to mention Michael Stipe? Honestly, now would he a, would would, would Alanis pop- be in there too? Huh? Alanis would she be in there? Uh, well, Dude, she'd be. I don't know. I asked my friend's opinion on Alanis uh, over the weekend, and he's and she he said she was a talentless hack. And I just yeah, your friend is wrong. <laughs> she is fucking great. You know, listen to her. If if you, if you only ever listen to the first two albums of hers mm. and nothing else. Yeah, you could probably say that. But seriously, like, looking, listening, she brought something really... I will say that I still remember the first time I heard uh, heard a song of hers. It was All I Really Want, which is still my favorite song um, of of hers. And the first time I heard it, it's like, wow, this sounds... Like, like she she kind of she sounds like a bit of, like, the chipmunks a bit. Mm-hmm. But this is sounds really charming and really cool. This is really like I, I like. There's something very unique about her. I don't know if she's like in my top ten, but like you said, you say that she she'd be higher up there. I really, I one of the reasons I like her so much is because of her voice and the way she she really constructs 
her thing. She's definitely got an odd, like, for a pop album, Jack a Little Pill has some, like, oddness to it. Like, not quirkiness. I wouldn't say oddness, quirkiness. And it's really helps shape this unique sound that she has. And I don't know. You I know, really another, like another great woman I'd, I'd say is Angel Olsen. She's another great songwriter right now. Another one I should mention, Tori Amos. I fucking love Tori Amos. Oh, yeah, Tori right, guys, Amos. we're going to keep naming off these vocalists for literally <laughs> Tori, 10 years, yes. and we're already, I think, almost, yeah, we're almost two hours in. I don't think we are. Maybe. We're, we're 140. Started. My 140. bad, sorry. Let's, let's end it off with the recommendations. Yeah, great. Um, I got, <laughs> I, all right, I got. I actually planned one this time Good around. Good job. You, uh, the roles have reversed mm-hmm. now, because I didn't think of one. So me and my friends this weekend, because I went home for the long weekend, uh, I wa- we watched Pulp Fiction for probably the 87th time time uh all right uh but so i went through this little uh little surf rock uh resurgence and i have to say the album surfer's pajama party by the centurions is one of the greatest pieces of surf rock i've ever heard besides dickdale i really like Hmm. the the track bullwinkle part two intoxica or sorry bullwinkle part two and um i don't know how to pronounce this one comanche something like that. Those were both featured on Pulp Fiction. Um, but the songs Intoxica, Body Surfing, Church Key, all are great, great songs. appreciated surf rock beyond dick dale before this i think actually funny enough you say that um i last i think last season i I don't remember what episode it was but i recommended it the five six seven eights that was a while ago yeah yeah one one of the big claim to fame was being on the uh kill bill soundtrack right and then they kind of have a i wouldn't say a surf rock they've got like kind of a 60s power trio and they're really good like again my favorite I don't know if it's like your pick, but like my favorite song from this still is Bomb the Twist. It's got That's this a good really song. clean sounding instruments. And then just this crazy maniac you know woman you, just I singing think on you this. I recommended that on my first episode. Yeah, I think it's on the Jack White episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. great. But no, so it def- definitely sounds interesting. What was the band names again? The Centurions. There you go. Fantastic surf rock. In my opinion, the only surf rock you're going to need outside of Digdale. All right, well, I, I, got, I got a good pick for you right here. All right. Okay. All right. So if. We talk about emo next week. Oh, which we are. Okay, so we are? Oh, yeah. Okay, we, great. We got to plan it out a little bit, but we'll, we'll do it. So since we're talking about emo next week, and we, we, should, we should phrase it, we're talking about good emo. Yes. We're, we're, we're trying to really break down, like, what, what we mean by it. We're not doing... It's, a, it's also kind of a starter course for, uh, for Andrew. Yeah, yeah and it's we're also s- not doing the I, whole, I like... No jawbreaker. That's, that's mm-hmm. what's going to... Yeah, and, and we're also not doing the whole like corny white guy thing. We're like, well, this isn't real. Like, we're not doing that. Yes. We're we're just talking about like what we think God, is like really good, of, authentic the emo of accounts online, where it's just <laughs> yeah, white guys saying this isn't real emo. It's like, oh my god, but what is really? Oh, but, but we since, will talk about. But since we're going to be talking about emo, yeah. I'm going to use uh, that opportunity to talk about its sister genre, screamo, yes. in some context, and I'm going to be talking about. Um, in my opinion, one of the most underappreciated screamo bands of all time, period, came from that 
beautiful MySpace era, <laughs> oh, that beautiful, beautiful oh. MySpace era that I grew up with. Hell yeah. I had top eights and, and everything. I had a top four. Mm. I was exclusive. Me and him call it us. Amazing. One of my all-time favorite bands. They put out one of my all-time favorite albums, Loss, 2006. This band represents everything that I love about that underground screamo sound, stuff like Jerome's Dream, stuff like Page 99. Me and him call it us are that kind of thing through a noise, rock, emo violence lens. So you have just spastic noise, cacophony, which has just these hints of melody that break in every now and then, or they're so like subtle mm-hmm. that it's it, it's like you have to really like listen to it to, to get it. But the album as a whole, vocally, instrumentally, it's like so overwhelming. And that's kind of like what I love about that screamo stuff. It's like right. these guys screaming literally at the top of their lungs, these like high-pitched banshees, and it's so just like emotionally overwhelming, stuff like mm-hmm. that and Loma Prieta. So I'm going to recommend um, me and him call it us. I'm going to talk about him on the episode, but this is like a great like crash course. So I would listen. I would listen to the album Loss. That's their only full length. Um, it came out in 2006. I'd recommend the tracks Innocent Bystanders Watched in Horror as Peter Jennings Drew His Murder Weapon or Just Can't Function No More or The Anticipation Is Killing Me. All of those are just screamo staples. <laughs> tracks i mean that's going to give you a preview just those names the angst that we're going to get into and and just just speaking on that Mm -hmm. can i just say one thing about this fucking like cu space cowboy band have you heard of this band what are you talking they're uh yeah i'll I'll just say them real quick they're they're (laughs) this new band i can't i can't i don't know what label they're on but they're getting a bunch of like hype and praise right now because Uh they're seen as the the MySpace Screamo era revival band. Okay. And literally I listened to them. They sound fucking nothing like any of those bands I grew up like, like, like me and him call it us. They sound mm-hmm. nothing like that. They're just a super watered down version of it. They throw in the wacky random song titles. Dude, it's not 2006. The thing that yeah. was cool about that is it was 2006 and it was like tolerable to do that. Well, like, yeah. well, some like things the, are okay the to just song leave. titles that went on for like 10 sentences. Right. Oh, so, yeah. Some like, things are okay to leave in their time capsule. Not everything <laughs> needs to get revived. Okay. You know what I, I mean? I'll, I'll argue the new, um, the new Mom Jeans album does that. And I love uh, that album. It's called Puppy Love. You ever heard that? Uh, yeah, I'm not listening to Mom Jeans anytime soon. No offense, no offense. Right, Be- because because I've listened to <laughs> Camp Cope and uh-huh. it's just unbearable. So right, I, I guarantee they sound like that. <laughs> All right, Andrew, I'm gonna go with this one. Oh, I feel like a lot of people might know that. Oh, I won't say a lot. Some, a decent amount of people might know it, but they've been long forgotten in the the grunge pantheon, if if you will say so. Mm. Uh, anyone, any of you two know a band called Grunt Truck? Grunt Rock. No. Oh. So I, I did put them in your in, in the place I recently made for you. I'm not going to say that they're one of the best bands at that time because they weren't. <laughs> Great job selling them right out of the <laughs> gate. <laughs> they're, they're not tech, music, musicianship. They're not technical proficiency. In fact, some of the musically, it can be kind of simple at times. Like very simple, actually. They're, they're even on Roanoke Records. Ooh. So 
which has a spotty track record, we will say. Yes. All that being said, though, Push, pretty solid, I would argue sludge rock, sludge metal album, if you will. And I do like that kind of sound. They have some, there's a song called Slow Scorch. It's got this really, kind of that really cool opener. It's kind of sinister almost. And uh, they've even got some, like, mo- like f- these fucking brutal j- jams. Um, break is great. It's just, just again, really brutal. And um, the tribe is just awesome. I'd, I'm gonna recommend that album. It's a push. It's been a while since I've listened to it, but you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, yeah, you know what? They are a bit underappreciated because they, they're, they're not viewed as much in, um, you know, today's Pantheon because, again, a lot of grunge bands at that time didn't really live on. And the fact that they um, their singer died, I think, in the 90s. Um, and they never really yeah. got Man, a chance how to original. go big. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> <laughs> to make things less dark, <laughs> I guess. Can I bust out a joke, man? <laughs> man, um, can I bust out a joke? Oh my god, <laughs> it was funny. How <laughs> <laughs> original! <laughs> oh, they did have a posthumous. I think it was last year, early last year, or was it 2017? 2017, 2018, they had a posthumous release, uh, part of material that was never released. I think they only have ever made three albums. Really, you can just, I have I don't think I listened to that one, but honestly, you can just listen to Push and you'll be fine. Um, again, not, at times it can be a bit dull, but over, again, I, I had to come up with something on the spot, so I wasn't going to come up with something great. But seriously, th- I think there are some really hidden, cool, awesome hidden gems on there. Um, if you just want some, just some dumb, fun, kind of, Brutal sludge rock. Go listen to grunt rock, grunt truck. It's spelled grunt and then R U C K. So I I pronounce it both ways. I don't know. For yeah. sure. That's who you're looking for. Cool. All right. Stay uh, tuned, y'all. Good. Email. We're getting we're getting emo I'm next gonna, week. I can. I have the the uh, the image of my chemical romance. And I'm sure it will be, be shattered. shattered. I'm sure it'll be. Wiped away in some way. Here, here's the thing about My Chemical Romance. Those first two albums are great. Okay, we're gonna end up. <laughs> Thank there. you. They are. Um, they are great. <laughs> oh, we need to end this. Before. Not necessarily emo, but great. All right. Okay, we're gonna leave now. Stay Goodbye, tuned. everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>